Hello and welcome to the New Discourses Podcast. This is James Lindsay and we're going to talk about dark stuff today. Super dark stuff, not weird occult dark stuff. We're going to talk about struggle sessions. Um, most of you will know just to frame this out. I wanted to start dramatically, but I never do. Um, to frame this out, most of you will recognize that I had been banished from Twitter for what somebody tells me is 105 days. I've been back on Twitter for a couple of weeks my time back on Twitter hasn't exactly been pleasant. Um, virtually immediately, within a day or two of getting back on, a very relentless struggle session campaign, smear campaign against me, was initiated. It appears that the coordinators of this smear campaign are definitely the mashable journalist by the name of Matt Binder, and possibly in collaboration with the trans individual who got me kicked off Twitter in the first place and is very upset that I got back on by the name, uh, the going by the name Alejandra Caraballo, which is code name for Alejandro Caraballo, which is this gentleman's real name. And uh, it's been picked up kind of all over the place. I'm asked to explain myself all over the place. Um, you probably saw the picture. There's not really a lot of need to talk about the picture. I guess I can tell the story, but there was a picture that was posted of me maybe, I don't know, tens of thousands, maybe over a hundred thousand times um, in reply to virtually everything I did by hundreds or thousands of accounts. If you wonder, Twitter uh, support, I was in contact with them and they told me that they could find no rule ba breaking with regard to spam whatsoever with this. So, um... Things are going great over there with Elon and his level of discernment, but nevertheless, uh, I actually want to break down the process of going through a struggle session while it's fresh. I don't actually have time to be recording this right now. Um, I have something I'm working on and a deadline, which I usually don't have a deadline, but this time I have a deadline and it's coming up short on me, especially with all this demand to uh, deal with the crap on Twitter and to deal with the crap. Uh, surrounding this smear campaign, but while it's fresh, I want to talk about struggle sessions. And so I'm actually going to um, start by reading a little thread that was on November 29th. That was a few days ago at the time of this recording. With some random account, it doesn't even matter who it is, it ended up being the one that caught my attention, and I uh, brought this up. Uh, and, and kind of said something about it. And that's what really was the groundwork for this podcast. So I'm going to read this first, and then I'm going to go into Robert Lifton's book, um, which is Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism, a study of brainwashing in China, uh, which is in the 1950s China, just after the CCP took over. So this is under Mao in his prisons, is what I'm going to read to you from uh, Lifton about. Okay, so this random um, red guard on Twitter said, think of it this way. If you, find a, if you found a child trafficking sex cult in your social circle, I'm sure you as a decent person would immediately distance yourself from them as firmly and publicly as possible. James, however, refuses to speak against his pedophile friend. Now let me make something abundantly clear. I don't have, and to my knowledge at least, I do not have any pedophile friends, of course. Um, and what this is referring to is this picture. The picture, I lose even by describing it, but nevertheless, you need the context. 
So in April, I went to a debate-style event called Better Discourses. You can see the videos. They're on the internet. Um, many leftists were there. Outright communists, open communists were there. Uh, I shared a stage with them. I interacted with them backstage. But also there was another friend of the hosting organization by the name of Nikki Klein, who was on Battlestar Galactica. And I met Nikki at that event and the previous one. I found her to be nice and enjoyable to be around. We hung out at the conference. Backstage, a bunch of people were hanging out, you know, as happens. We kind of had a green room with food and everybody's just kind of hanging out. At this one in April, Colin Wright, the character at Swipe Wright on uh, Twitter, was also there, along with his uh, girlfriend, Christina Buttons, and we were all kind of just hanging out and taking funny pictures and doing whatever. And so I took a man-spreading picture with Colin because my brand is man-spreading, sort of as kind of a self-effacing joke. I made my profile picture be on Twitter years ago. And so the man-spreading thing is, haha, it's a joke. And so I did one with Colin and I put a caption, something like, you know, teaching him the ways or something, you know, of that kind. And then I took a picture with Nikki and she put, I believe on my suggestion, um, if I remember correctly, I taught him everything he knows. I thought that would be funny. And the left has decided that because Nikki was involved in the Nixium cult or whatever that is, um, that she's some kind of all these things that are associated with that. The story is complicated and messy. Getting into the weeds of it is unnecessary. Um, the picture speaks for itself. The joke is about the man spreading. We were hanging out backstage at a conference. I find her to be a nice person. I have nothing bad to say about her. Um, whatever's going on in that side of her life is not my business and is not part of my business. Um, so whatever. And so we also went to lunch. This is the funniest part of the whole thing. Honestly, this is just, in my opinion, hilarious. We went out to lunch from the conference venue to a Mexican restaurant about five minutes away. And there were a bunch of us crammed into a car and Nikki was in the passenger seat and took a selfie and said something about us being on a road trip, which is funny. The left took this literally, maybe because it's just a smear, maybe because they're just fucking stupid. And they literally believe, or at least profess to believe, who knows what they believe. They're liars. They're communists. They're smear artists. They're, they're evil people. But they seem to believe or profess to believe that we actually took a cross-country road trip together and are profoundly deep friends who would take a cross-country road trip together, six in a car that seats five, or something like this. Um, well, for the, to burst anybody's bubble, the road trip was to a Mexican restaurant five minutes away, and then we ate tacos or burritos or something. And I don't even think Nikki ate with us there. I think she went and got pizza or something. I don't know. doesn't matter. These things are stupid. The whole thing is manufactured and fake. So this person, now you know the context. Think of it this way. If you found a child trafficking sex cult in your social circle, by the way, the leader of that organization or group or whatever, Keith Rainier, was arrested, was convicted of these things, but the FBI has also mentioned that maybe there was some planted evidence involved in all this. The real story behind that, from what I've heard from multiple sources in different places, and not, in fact, Nikki, is um, pretty shocking and probably not worth getting into, um, but it would tickle the uh, highest levels of corruption that you're used to hearing tickled in the world of 
politics today. I don't excuse Rainier for anything. And, you know, obviously anything he's guilty of, genuinely guilty of, um, is to be condemned. And I don't know. I don't know the guy. I have, I have no dog in that race. But I don't have a child trafficking sex cultist in my social circle. I was at a conference with Nikki and it was fun. And we took some pictures, the breakfast club picture. People think that there's some mysterious code there. Let me explain the code to you. There's a poster of the breakfast club on the wall behind us. So we're like, let's recreate the picture and take a picture. Isn't that deep? Isn't that so mysterious? Isn't that so coded? Hey, look, there's a poster. There's five of us. Let's recreate it while we're being goofy here at this conference. Okay, so anyway, so if you are a decent person, so this, this character on Twitter frames out the struggle session in terms of what it means to be a decent person. I promise all this is relevant. You would immediately distance yourself from them as firmly and publicly as possible. So here's a request for a public denunciation of a person. James, however, that's me, refuses to speak against his pedophile friend. I don't have a pedophile friend. Nikki hasn't been convicted of anything, as a matter of fact, and she is as certainly as we can say about anybody, not a pedophile. Uh, nothing about her comes off that way. I would be 100% confident in saying she is not a pedophile. So this is just nasty smearing, insinuation, etc., based off of all kinds of stuff. And so what I said is notice what this demand is, by which I mean speak against your friend. And I said Maoism is demonic. This is on that tweet thread I did on November 29th. If they make you denounce your friends or family, or even an innocent passerby that you barely know. It could be anybody on the internet, by the way. could be Kanye. could be anybody. And by the way, I'm no fan of Kanye. I think Kanye is a strategic operation against the conservative movement. I'm not defending Kanye for literally anything. Um, but they're making you denounce. If they make you denounce your friends or family, especially, or even an innocent passerby, it could be somebody randomly on the internet. What I said is they break a piece of your soul, the part that honors people, and they can be loyal and trustworthy. And this is the real goal of the struggle session. And what we're going to talk about is what a struggle session is, what it looks like, how it works, with quite a lot of authority behind that description. But that's the point of the struggle session, it is to get you to break off a piece of your soul. It is to get you to humiliate and destroy what makes you truly human. Remember the Iron Law of Oak Projection, and remember that Marx says his program is to humanize. But the way that you humanize in Marxism is to first break free of all the allegedly dehumanizing things that actually are human so that you can adopt Marxism, which he thinks is the true and only way to become human. So if you're willing to betray a friend, if you're willing to betray your family, especially if you're willing to betray your better conscience just to go after somebody for some allegation or whatever, what makes you human that you are a, a, a that you are capable of knitting into a social fabric, interacting with other people, being reasonable, etc. What makes whatever part of your soul it is that's rooted in loyalty and trustworthiness and honor and dignity, they get you to break a piece of that off for them. Why? If you found a child trafficking sex cult, she said, in your social circle, they're trying to redefine which social circles are legitimate and not. In this case, based on on, on insinuations and smears that they've literally made up out of thin air um, based on 
kind of, you know, you can see the meme in your head of the guy with the conspiracy theory waving his arms around and all this. You know, the, the conspiracy theory meme guy with the board. And they've got a picture of me with Nikki at a conference and they're waving their arms around and one thing leads to another. And the next thing you know, we're talking about sex trafficking as though guilt by association is magically proved. So the message of Maoism under the struggle session, in this case at least, is just denounce your friends. Just give up a little bit of your soul. And then, this is the key part, and then we'll make the abuse stop. They're abusing you. They know they're abusing you. They say they're abusing you. They say they're giving you a taste of your own medicine, for example. Do you know how many thousands of times I've got to read that today? Even today, days and days and days later, after it's finally kind of calmed down a little bit. Just denounce your friends. Just give up a little bit of your soul and we'll make the abuse stop. Just denounce your friends. Just betray them for us, for the collective. Maoists. That's signed Maoist. That's how I wrote it. Then I gave a link to this book or a, I should say a sc- couple screenshots of this book, Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism, A Study of Brainwashing in China by Robert J. Lifton, and I said learn to recognize it. And then I added rather grimly and unfortunately, and this is an important point, I said, by the way, learn it for yourself. Almost none of your friends will be there for you when it, meaning struggle sessions, come to you. You beat it or you get broken by your struggle session almost entirely alone. Now, I do want to give a shout out to my friends who did come to my defense, some early on, some later on. And I want to give an extra shout out to the ones that went to bat and tried to get other people to rally a defense or something for me. And that found very disappointingly that that's not how any of this works. So when you find out later, uh, you, you have a lot of friends who are very tenuous, who rather than get their hands potentially dirty or get dragged into muck, uh, they will not come to your defense. So I say that for when or if a, so a struggle session comes to you, expect to be disappointed by your friends. As I tell my uh, Christian friends very frequently when they get disappointed by how many friends they have that turn on them, or so-called friends that turn on them, I keep telling them, put not your faith in men. They will fail you. You have to buckle down in yourself. You have to know who you are. You have to get based, as we used to say, or still say. You have to know uh, your soul. You also, according to Lifton, need to have some outlet, some connection to uh, the so-called, I think he phrased it as the sucker of, um, not sucker like S-U-C-K-E-R, but sucker as in S-U-C-C-O-R, um, of, of like affirmation. You have to have somebody in your life, your fa- your actual family, for example. Your, I will tell you, small number of actual real friends. Yeah, parasocial network you have on social media is not your network of real friends. There are a few people who will stand by you and hear you out or whatever else. Not many. And it's better to learn that and go into it knowing it than not. But I just want to read now quite a lot, actually, from thought reform and the psychology of totalism. So you get a feel for what a struggle session is. And what if you witnessed the thing on Twitter, and if you didn't, I know you don't really kind of fully know what I'm talking about. But again, the campaign was to take this image of me doing this joking pose with this woman at this conference and post it tens of thousands of times while insinuating that I'm involved in a trafficking cult because I've said, okay, groomer so many times. And so now here I'm connected to a so-called groomer, uh, literally insinuating a pedophile, which is 
at the very least libel. There's no proof of this. Um, and so I'm obviously to be discredited and distanced from and not to be taken seriously tens of thousands of times, relentless, when, for, for many days, many days, like seven or eight in a row. Every time I opened my Twitter app, if I went to the notifications, if I was in the mood to try to block accounts, which sometimes I was and sometimes I wasn't, 48 out of 50 would have been people posting this image or just throwing some kind of nasty, nasty, rude comment in that direction. I keep my DMs open. I like to be able to be reached by people. Impossible. Just floods of people and various psychological techniques coming in with this. Just tell us the story. You just won't explain it. You need to explain it. Just go ahead and explain it and it'll be reasonable and it'll go away. All these things are going to be relevant as we go through the struggle session and descriptions in, uh, in, in Lifton. Messages coming to me that were obviously fake. I have secret information on Matt Binder or whoever that created this campaign. DM me back to get it. And of course, I didn't do this. I fell for this once a long time ago. And what it is is that they just are spamming you with that picture until you block them or whatever it happens to be, whatever the thing is. It's a trick. Or they'll lead you down a primrose path and then punk you. It's a trick. And then other people, I used to be a big fan of yours until I found out this. And that's the psychological part that really gets you. They do it on purpose. They pretend to be people who are your friends and supporters who are now turning on you to make you believe that the psyops is working or that I shouldn't call it a psyops. It's an active measure um, against you is working, that the struggle sessions taking that other people around you, that your social network that you believe you have, again, your social network on social media, most of the people involved in it are not actually your friends. You're not actually in a social relationship with them at all. You're in a parasocial relationship, and they are not invested in you. And if you actually honestly think about it, you're not invested in them either. They're no more connected to you than the familiar stranger that you see when you walk around town and you kind of go to the same Starbucks or the mall or whatever coffee shop or whatever you go to. And you see people, or if you're in a university, especially you walk around or at work and you see people, you know who they are, but you know their face. You see them every day. You know what they look like. And they're a familiar stranger is what my friend used to call them. The goal is to make you believe that your social network is cutting you off. Now, what really works is who, people who are actually in your network turning on you or cutting you off or sending you texts, asking you, hey, I mean, you know, I'm your friend, but could you really explain? Because then it's just more and more proof that the, the, uh, operation being waged against you, that the active measure being taken in a mass line campaign to destroy you, destroy you psychologically, by the way, it's not to destroy your reputation, really. It's to destroy you psychologically, is that it's working. Okay. And so you have to understand what this, if, if you've never been through one of these, you, you have no idea what it's like to have this relentless campaign. And then at first you laugh at it and you ignore it. And then you start to see signs, fake, some fake, some real where people are buying into it. I had one friend send me a note and say that he started to text me to ask me for a uh, explanation and then deleted it all in shame because he realized he became a useful prop for a communist operation. And that's correct and good for him for recognizing it. Uh, they use your values. They use your curiosity. They use, they gin up a question around your character and then your friends who think there's certainly nothing wrong here, but this does look bad. The optics are bad. I got told a 
the hundred thousand times, or maybe just just ten, maybe just ten thousand times that the optics are bad. The optics of that are bad. And by the way, it is having impacts in my real life. There are real life people who are real life professional contacts and real life people that have something to do with me um, that it has had an impact on. They have fallen for it. And this is why I keep telling people that my biblical model, if you want one, who I look up to is Gideon, who was forced to renounce more and more and more of his army and go to war with a very small cadre in the end. Because it gets to you psychologically when it appears to be working. And in fact, when in some ways it is working. And I want to say shame on those people, but part of the psychological operation against you, the active measure against you, is to get you to say shame on those people, to get you to block your friends or your your social context, to get you to turn on your own and to get them to turn on you. It's very divisive. It's very destructive. It's demonic. Like I said, it's, this is Maoism. And if you don't understand what's happening in the West and in the United States right now through this woke movement, it is a Maoist insurgency trying to take over our country. These are Maoists. They are, in a sense, neo-Maoists, but they use mostly Mao's techniques to implement Marx's philosophy. Marx has to be thought of as a Marx as a Mar- Mao has to be thought of as a Marxist tactic tactician who had a variety of very effective mechanisms by which he was able to destroy Chinese society and implement his own reign of terror. And they do it because it works. So let me read from this description of Mao's universe, which again is thought reform and the psychology of totalism. I've talked about this book a billion times. That's hyperbole, but a lot. I've linked to it I've heard from hundreds of people who have bought it and read it and had the scales fall from their eyes. I cannot encourage it strongly enough. You must get and read this book if you have time. Um, it is long. It is difficult. If all you have time to do is read the first five or six chapters, though, it will be absolutely clarifying to you. So I'm going to start in a section very early in the book. It's actually on page 20. The section begins... And it's the description of what struggle is. The first, it's actually the first use of the word struggle in the book. And it is the description, and I'm going to read a, a long way, uh, of struggle sessions uh, as they happened in Maoist prisons in the 1950s. Just a historical side note. I know I go off on all these tangents and keep tempting you. Um, Mao took over in 1949. He was deposed after a number of years. I'd have to double check the dates. Um, and was replaced, and he made a comeback in 1966 when he started the Cultural Revolution. So this is in that first phase. This is in the first phase under Maoist CCP control, and there was a second phase that we recognize as the Chinese Cultural Revolution from 1966 until 1976, which stopped because Mao died. Um, so in 1976, and so. Just to make it clear, this isn't technically the Cultural Revolution. This is what they did before Mao. This is lightweight. This is like practice for the Cultural Revolution. Okay, so interrogation and struggle. And struggle here is in scare quotes by Lifton because struggle is a specific term. It is not a term that's being used in general. It's not a description. It's what the Chinese called it. The Chinese characters are, 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 there are different ways to say it. In fact, there are uh, three different ways to say it, depending on how specific you want to be. The full term is pipan dojeng, which means critical struggle session. Uh, the abbreviated versions are dojeng, which just means struggle, or uh, 
pido, which is the first part, p, and then of the first word, and then do is the first part of dojang, p, pan, dojang, pido. And so they all mean the same thing. That's just three ways of characterizing what the Chinese called literally struggle sessions. They were called struggle sessions. In fact, pipan refers to critical, meaning critical theory in, in a sense. They're the critical, the criticism that Marx is the ruthless criticism of all that exists, which he rooted in the, the ideas attributed by Goethe to Mephistopheles in Faust, which is that everything that exists deserves to perish. Literally, a character written in a play by a wizard. Goethe was a hermetic wizard, and uh, in the mouth of the devil or the the voice of the devil. Mephistopheles isn't Satan; he's Satan's representative. He's uh, anyway. That's who Mao, or sorry, Marx is quoting, and that's where the criticism, the ruthless criticism of all that exists in Marx comes from, and that's the critical in. Pipan Dojeng, or critical struggle session, or critical theory, or critical pedagogy, or critical consciousness, which they're teaching your children in schools that I think you're going to see match these uh, Chinese prisons rather shockingly and uncomfortably. I'm focusing only on the struggle aspect here for this podcast, though. I recommend get the book and read it. So after a few preliminaries, he, this is a, a, a doctor named Vincent, Dr. Vincent, I could look up and find Vincent's first name, but it's irrelevant. So it's Dr. Vincent. He's the character in this part. It's, a, it's actually a description of his experience in the prison. After a few preliminaries, he was placed in a small 8 foot by 12 foot bare cell, which already contained eight other prisoners, all of them Chinese. They were a specially selected group, each of them, quote, advanced in his personal, quote, reform each eager to apply himself enthusiastically to the reform of others as a means of gaining, quote, merits toward his own release. Their greeting was hardly a friendly one. The, quote, cell chief identified himself and addressing Vincent in Chinese by his newly acquired prison number, instructed him to sit in the center of the cell while the other prisoners formed a circle around him. Each in turn then shouted invectives at Vincent, denouncing him as an, quote, imperialist and a, quote, spy, demanding that he, quote, recognize his, quote, crimes and, quote, confess everything to the, quote, government. Vincent protested. He was not a spy. He was a doctor. He had worked as a doctor in China for 20 years. But this only resulted in more vehement accusations. Quote, the government has all the proof. They have arrested you, and the government never makes a mistake. You have not been arrested for nothing, end quote. By the way, I made a tweet during this ordeal, this struggle session I was being put through, where I said that I had been found guilty in the court of NPC opinion. The NPCs had found me guilty. They had arrested me, and they never make a mistake. The uh, enlightened leftists are never wrong about moral insinuations. So there's a parallel. Then his cellmates went on to question him further about all the activities in which he engaged as a physician to, quote, cover up his, quote, spy personality. This procedure in the cell was known as a, quote, struggle. It's not given here in the Chinese, by the way, but it is mentioned in a few other places in the book as docheng, where uh, Lifton is actually quoting somebody explaining what it is, docheng. Um, if you want the opinion, it's D-O-U-Z-H-E-N-G, uh, docheng. Uh, 
So this procedure in the cell was known as a, quote, struggle conducted for the purpose of, quote, helping a prisoner with his, quote, confession. And it was an experience which Vincent had to undergo frequently, particularly during the early phases of his imprisonment. Now, this is what I'm saying. First of all, notice that they do the struggle sessions on people who are in the early phases, people who are not fully in the club. We will hear later that, in fact, if you screw up, you get struggled again. But as you progress, the struggle lightens up. Struggle sessions are for people who are not part of their club or for people to punish people who have screwed up when they're in. But that's much rarer. So I'm not in their woke Maoist club, and therefore I need to be helped to recognize how what I did was awful, and thus my ability to say, okay, groomer with any authority is illegitimate. That's what they're trying to get me to, quote, recognize. That's the word. They're trying to get me to see that by struggling, to help me to see it and to want to confess. And I will tell you, the psychological pressure to give in and to say, this is what really happened. And by the way, I don't really know her that well. And oh my God, it's the psychological pressure to give in and give up and to seek relief is actually overwhelming. So this helping a prisoner with his confession, in fact, it would be better worded not to step on um, Lifton's toes here, it would be better worded as in my opinion, the purpose of helping a prisoner to want to confess. The point of the struggle is not just to help them craft their confession by telling them what they have to say, but rather to help them want to do it. And that we'll hear from that, that actually comes up. Those things are both very relevant. And I will tell you going through it, and this isn't my first rodeo, the psychological pressure to do that is very high. So when you see people like Drew Brees or any of these other people who went on TV crying or carrying on and they apologize and they write their stupid tweet and then they get mocked and abused more uh, while other people are actually expressing kind of fake gratitude for them while other people are demanding more from them, good cop, bad cop, you can see that they give into that psychological pressure and then it's really just an invitation to get dragged further down into this rabbit hole. So anyway... Continuing, after several hours of this disturbing treatment, Vincent was called for his first interrogation. He was taken to a small... Remember, Vincent's a real person here, by the way. This isn't 1984. This isn't fiction. This isn't a story. This is, this is actually a psychologist documenting what happened to an individual in Chinese thought reform prison. He was taken to a small room with three people in it, the interrogator or, quote, judge, an interpreter, and a secretary. The judge opened the session with a vague accusation and an emphatic demand. How often do we hear that word? They have their demands. Quote, you have committed crimes against the people and now you must confess everything. I actually said the words in slightly the wrong order. It's, and you must now confess everything. End quote. So that's the demand. Now let's go back, if we can, to what this uh, lunatic going after me said that I had to do. Think of it this way. If you found a child trafficking sex cult in your social circle, I'm sure you as a decent person would immediately distance yourself from them as firmly and publicly as possible. See, I need to learn to recognize that that's the circumstances. James, however, refuses to speak against his pedophile friend. So I don't understand and I need to be, uh, there, there's a demand. You have committed crimes against the people. I've said, okay, groomer, without having the necessary and legitimate authority to do so. And you must now confess everything, for instance, that you are connected to a bad person uh, that they have ginned up a story about in this regard. Vincent's protestations of innocence, so this is why you don't give in, folks. Vincent's protestations of innocence were countered with the angry declaration, quote, the government never arrests an innocent man. 
Matt Binder wouldn't go after somebody just to go after him. What do you know? Of course not. He's on a moral crusade. He's on the right side of history. The judge went on to ask a series of general questions concerning Vincent's activities, professional associations, organizational contacts, friends, and acquaintances during, during his entire, entire 20 years in China. Hmm, that sounds familiar to me. He answered these as accurately as he could, but was unable to satisfy his interrogator. How about that? This is very important. Now, technically, this is interrogation, not struggle, but they're intimately linked, as you'll hear. The judge's demands always contained a tantalizing combination of hint, threat, and promise. Quote, the government knows all about your crimes. That is why we arrested you. It is now up to you to confess everything to us. And in this way, your case can be quickly solved and you will soon be released. We will resolve the tension on you. I had so many tweets that said this to me explicitly in DMs that said this explicit to me. Just explain it and it'll go away. Just explain it if you can. I have entire accounts dedicated, which I won't name at this point because they're super shady and I've been warned about going too much into them with rather rather credible reasons. Um, dangerous people, dangerous people, it turns out, uh, that have demanded that uh, they can help me clear this up or they sh that I'm a terrible groomer, blah, 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 and that by playing along, it would clear it up. This is just a further manipulation. This is that thing that Lifton's talking about here, that tantalizing promise, right? A tantalizing combination of hint, threat, and promise. We know what you did. That's why you're going through this. You're actually a bad person. You just refuse to understand why it's bad. And if you just come around to our way of seeing your life, your circumstances, then we can wrap this up. And that, in fact, is what we want. Why are you resisting? You must have something to hide. You must be worse than you thought, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's the psychological essence of the struggle session. After a few hours of this interrogation, Lifton goes on, questions began to focus, a few hours, by the way, focus more and more upon alleged connections with people from several groups, his own embassy, American government officials, and Catholic, Japanese, and nationalist Chinese agencies. This, by the way, is getting a little inside baseball for or specific to his circumstances but by 6 a.m this i think allegedly started at 8 p.m by 6 a.m after 10 successive hours of interrogation so yes he had produced much information but he still asserted his innocence denied that he was a spy or had any subversive relationship with these organizations and again said that he did not understand why he had been arrested this angered the judge who ordered handcuffs applied to Vincent's wrists, holding his arms behind his back. He dismissed the prisoner from the room, demanding that he, quote, think over his, quote, crimes. But when he, re was, when he w was returned ten minutes later, Vincent still stated that he could not recognize crimes of any kind. The judge again became incensed, ordered chains placed around Vincent's ankles, and sent him back to his cell. His return there was the occasion for continuous struggle and humiliation. So basically, this is getting like logging back into Twitter. This is Vincent's description of it. When you get back with your chains, your cellmates receive you as an enemy. They, st they start, quote, struggling to, quote, help you. The, quote, struggle goes on all day to 8 p.m. that night. So that's 12 more hours. You're obliged to stand with chains on your ankles and holding your hands behind your back. They don't assist you because you are too reactionary. You eat as a dog does, with your mouth and teeth. 
You arrange the cup and bowl with your nose to try to absorb broth twice a day. If you have to make water, which means pee, if you have to make water, they open your trousers and make water in a little tin and make you make water in a little tin in the corner. In the water closet, so the actual toilet, like if you poop, in the water closet, someone opens your trousers and after you are finished, they clean you. You are never out of the chains. Nobody pays any attention to your hygiene. Nobody washes you. So you end up looking like Matt Binder. In the room, they say you are in chains only because you are a reactionary. They continuously tell you that if you confess, you will be treated better. Those last two sentences right there are the essence of the struggle. In the room, they say that you are only in chains because you are a reactionary. They're only posting the picture of me over and over and over again because I actually am a groomer and allegedly falsely accuse other people of being groomers. They continuously tell you that if you confess, you will be treated better. And there's that tantalizing offer of relief. That is the the essence of how they do this. They put you under extraordinary psychological abuse and tell you if you just give away your soul, just break a piece off of it, just denounce your friend, then you can have relief from this exquisite psychological torment they're putting you under. So they offer you a way out. But it's fake. Toward the end of the second day, lifting goes on, Vincent was concerned only with finding some relief. Quote, you start to think how to get rid of these chains. You must get rid of these chains. Okay, so after a, at first you think it's like, okay, there's some mistake. You can deal with it. This is stupid, blah, blah, blah. And then all you're looking for is how do you get them to stop posting that fucking picture? Only concerned with finding some relief. That night, because in my experience, by the way, I couldn't get away from it. You say, well, just don't log on to Twitter. People were texting it to me. Like people I know are like, what is this? Why is this happening? Or sending me examples of kind of new big outrageous accounts or push notifications from big accounts on Twitter, sharing it again, whole new wave of it. That night when called for interrogation, he made what was called a quote, wild confession, a description of espionage activities, which he knew to be non-existent. As he explained it, quote, we see in the judge someone who wants to press something on us. And if we show we are a big criminal, maybe we'll get better treatment. Every one of us tries to cheat the government in this way. We know that they are angry with American, with the Americans, so we become a member of an American spy ring. I invented a whole organization. So that's Dr. Vincent desperately trying to get some relief. So going back to Lifton, but when pressed for details, he could not substantiate his story and inconsistencies appeared. The confession was rejected, and he was once more moment, some, uh, summarily dismissed by the judge. The round of interrogation and struggle continued. On the third night, he changed his tactics. Aware, of the, uh, uh, aware that the officials were greatly interested in his activities and contacts, he began to reconstruct and confess every detail of every conversation with friends and associates, which he could remember from the whole of his 20 years in China. He did this because, quote, I thought they were trying to prove I gave intelligence to friends, end quote. Now that, it, now that he was talking freely, his captors began to press home their advantage. See, once you give in, they realize they can manipulate you. And I'm not going to throw shade on Vincent here. He was in an actual prison. I was on Twitter. Other, you're on Twitter. Maybe you're in a workplace DEI training. The sad part is it's your kids in school. Um, 
Interrogations, ever more demanding, took up the greater part of each night. These were interrupted every two or three hours for the rapid and painful promenade and chains, which served to keep the prisoner awake, to increase his physical discomfort and to give him a sense of movement, quote, in order to convince you to speed up your confession, end quote. During the day, he was required to dictate to another prisoner everything he had confessed the night before and anything additional he could think of. When he was not dictating the confessions or making new ones, he was being struggled. Every activity in the cell seemed to be centered around him and his confession. He soon realized that the cell chief was making daily reports to prison officials and receiving regular instructions on how to deal with him. Everything he did or said, every word, movement, or expression was noted and written down by other prisoners, then conveyed to the prison authorities. It's like how they watch all your tweets. For eight days and nights, Vincent experienced this program of alternating struggle and interrogation and was permitted no sleep at all. Moreover, he was constantly told by his cellmates that he was completely responsible for his own plight. That rings true. If you didn't go around baselessly accusing people of being groomers, this wouldn't be happening to you. You're just getting a taste of your own medicine, blah, blah, blah. Quote, you want to be in the chains. You want to be shot. Otherwise, you would be more, uh, quote, sincere, and the chains would not be necessary. So they use the fact of your abuse as proof that you deserve to be abused. He found himself in a Kafka-like maze of vague and yet damning accusations. He could neither understand exactly what he was guilty of, quote, recognize his crimes, nor could he in any way establish his innocence. Overwhelmed by fatigue, confusion, and helplessness, he ceased all resistance, and that's the goal. In Vincent's words, you are annihilated. That's a rough word. We'll come back to that. Exhausted. You can't control yourself or remember what you said two minutes before. You feel that it is all lost. From that moment, the judge is the real master of you. You accept anything he says. When he asks how many, quote, intelligences you gave to that person, you just put out a number in order to satisfy him. If he says, quote, only those, you say, no, there are more. If he says 100, you say 100. You do whatever they want. You don't pay any more attention to your life or to your handcuffed arms. You can't distinguish right from left. You just wonder when you will be shot and begin to hope for the end of all of this. And that's exactly what it's like. Ask me how I know. Except I didn't give in. These people did not become the master of me. They did not have the capacity to become the master of me. The way I fought back was by leaning into it and turning it into something where I made it, for myself at least, that I was dragging them along and making them post the picture more times. Weak, but works, at least psychologically. It allowed me to obtain a position of psychological uh, uh, refuge from what they were trying to do. But if you give in, this is what happens to you. So think about the people who start to go woke. They're partway woke. They've been getting struggled by their friends. Maybe they went to one of those Syrah Rao abuse white women dinners. And you wonder, why in the world do people sign up for this? Why do they act this way? Because once you've given in, this is what you're looking for. This is what you crave. The abuse becomes this thing that's kind of purifying you of the evil they've convinced you that you are by ginning up a false narrative and dehumanizing you with it. Back to Lifton, a confession began to emerge, which was still, quote, wild, full of exaggerations, distortions, and falsehoods, but at the same time closely related to real events and people in Vincent's life. 
Notice that he had to sell out other people in his life. That's his loyalty chipped away every single time. And if you're chipping away your loyalty to your friends and your family and to everyday people, innocent people who didn't do anything that are around you, who are you giving it to in exchange? Who's collecting those pieces of your soul that you're chipping off with their chisel? You're chipping, you, by the way, are chipping them off. They're not chipping it off. You are chipping it off of yourself. And who are you giving those pieces of your soul to? Who are you giving your loyalty to? The master who is your, or the, the, the judge, who is your complete master, the woke. Every night, Vincent would sign a written statement of his newly confessed material with a thumbprint as his hands were not free for writing. He was so compliant by this time that he made no attempt to check upon the accuracy of what he was signing. After three weeks, three weeks, the emphasis again shifted. Now he was required to report on others, to make exhaustive lists of all of these people, all of the people he had known in China, and to write out their addresses, their affiliations, and anything at all which he knew about their activities. In other words, he was told to betray his friends, now knowing what he's condemning them to. Now knowing what he's condemning them to. You're chipping away pieces of your soul and giving it to the communists. Vincent complied, again, supplying a mixture of truths, half-truths, and untruths. But after two weeks of this, under the continuing pressure of his captors, these descriptions became exposés and denunciations. Friends, associates became drawn into the web. Still, the clamor from the judge, officials, and cellmates was the same as it had been since the moment of imprisonment. Quote, confess, confess all. You must be frank. You must show your faith in the government. Come clean. Be sincere. Recognize your crimes. End quote. At this point, about two months from the date of his arrest, Vincent was considered ready to, for a beginning, quote, recognition of his, quote, crimes. This required that he learn to look at himself from the, quote, people's standpoint, to accept the prevailing communist definition of criminal behavior, or in this, for my case, transphobia, maybe, including the principle that the, sorry, quote, the people's standpoint makes no distinct, distinction between news information and intelligence, end quote, or just made up shit that gets written on the daily dot and laundered onto your Wikipedia entry. It makes no distinction between fact and fiction, smear and truth, none, doesn't matter. He described two examples of this process, and these are Vincent's words. For instance, I was the family physician and friend of an American correspondent. We talked about many things, including the political situation. The judge questioned me again and again about my relationship with this man. He asked me for details about everything we had talked about. I admitted that at the time of the, quote, liberation, when I, which is the revolution in 1949 that put the CCP in place, when I saw the horse-drawn artillery of the communist army, I told this to my American friend. The judge shouted that this, was an, this American was a spy who was collecting espionage material for his spy organization and that I was guilty of supplying him with military intelligence. At first, I did not accept this, but soon I had to add it to my confession. This is adopting the people's standpoint. I knew a man who was friendly with an American military attaché. I told him the, the price of shoes and that I couldn't buy gasoline from my car. I had already agreed that this was... A, uh, economic intelligence. So I wrote that I gave economic intelligence to this man. But they made it clear that I must say that I received an espionage mission from the American military attache through the other person to collect economic intelligence, because this was the people's standpoint. 
So the next section is titled, so that's in, interrogation and struggle. That's the essence of a struggle session. I'm going to read the next section though, which is, quote, leniency and, quote, study. So leniency is a bit of a lie. We're going to talk more about that as we go, or lift and will. And study is what they then make you do. That's when you're going to do the work, my friend. That's when you have to start reading books about trans people or Robin D'Angelo's white fragility or whatever else. That's study, Chinese shui shi. Just as Vincent was beginning to express himself from the, quote, people's standpoint, that's Renmin Li Chang in Chinese, by the way, but in a dazed, compliant, and unenthusiastic manner, he was suddenly surprised by a remarkable improvement in his status. The handcuffs and chains were removed. He was permitted to be comfortably seated when talking to the judge, and he was in turn addressed in friendly tones. He was told that the government regretted that he had been having such a difficult time, that it really wanted only to help him, and that in accordance with its, quote, lenient policy, it would certainly treat him kindly and soon release him, if only he would make an absolutely complete confession, and then work hard to, quote, reform himself. See, we're really sorry we had to be so bad. It was ultimately your fault. You brought this upon yourself. We're just trying to help, and if you completely con confess and reform yourself, in other words, if you brainwash, and what we want you to believe about yourself and society, then we will let you go. And to help things along, pressures, pressures were diminished, and he was permitted more rest. This abrupt reversal in attitude had a profound effect on Vincent. This is, by the way, common in POW situations. Prisoners of war are treated this way. For the first time, he had been treated with human consideration. The chains were gone, and he could see a possible solution ahead. There was hope for the future. So suddenly, they, they destroy you. They give you no hope. They have you craving suicide. And then you start to play ball, and they give you a glimpse of light. Now he was offered more friendly, quote, guidance. I mean, that's what Paulo Freire calls the teacher being the facilitator, right? Guidance. He was given more friendly, quote, guidance in rewriting, not once but many times, his entire confession, including descriptions and denunciations of other people. Again, denounce your friends, denounce your friends, give off a piece of your soul. Give away a piece of what makes it, make you, makes it where you deserve to be a credible member of society so that you only can belong to the cult. And his change of fortune gave him added incentive in applying himself to the task. But he soon found that this guidance was not to be taken lightly. And on three occasions when he expressed some measure of resistance, saying, quote, this I didn't do, the chains were reapplied for two or three days, accompanied by a return to the harsh treatment of previous weeks. So if he didn't go along with everything in the guidance, his re-education, his white fragility training, his DEI workshop, the social-emotional learning program at his school, or whatever it is that the bullies on social media want you to do, you go back to the struggle. Struggle session, abuse comes right back. Once, quote, leniency had been initiated, however, Vincent was never again to experience anything as overwhelming as the assaults of his early prison period. My interpretation of that would be that he uh, was just reminded that it could go back to that at any minute. So that makes him want to participate in doing what they are telling him because the terror that he has now been made to know can exist for his life through the struggle and interrogation and abuse is always one wrong decision away, one failure to participate away. 
Given the luxury of eight hours of sleep a night, of relatively calm and restrained interrogations, he was even permitted to sit on a chair, of practically no harassment in the cell, Vincent spent the next two or three weeks doing nothing but developing in even greater detail his confession material. During his sessions with the judges, or with the judge, sorry, he received further instructions upon the proper way to apply, quote, the people's standpoint to all that he was writing and saying. This is brainwashing, guys. Meanwhile, he was initiated into the regular cell routine, carefully regimented arrangements for sleeping and awakening, for eating and for relieving oneself. Freed of his chains, he could join the others on the two daily excursions to the toilet, everyone running head down to an area with two open toilets, each permitted about 45 seconds to attend to his needs, with sharp criticism directed at anyone who took longer than this, and in the use of the urine bucket in the cell. He was still addressed only by prison number and continued to receive food adequate for survival but poor in quality, and the sores and infections caused by his chains and handcuffs were given more attention, including local applications and penicillin injections. That gives you an idea of just how bad it was. Then, three weeks after the beginning of, quote, leniency, he began to take part in the cell's organized, quote, re-education procedures. This meant active involvement in the group study program, the Shueishi, whose sessions took up almost the entire waking existence of the prisoners, 10 to 16 hours a day. Led by the cell chief, its procedure was simple enough. One prisoner read material from a communist newspaper, book, or pamphlet, and then each in turn was expected to, ex- expected to express his own opinion and to criticize the views of others. Everyone was required to participate actively, and anyone who did not was severely criticized. Each had to learn to express himself from the, quote, correct, or, quote, people's standpoint, applied not only to personal actions, but to political, social, and ethical issues. With each of the prisoners feeling that his freedom or even his life might be at stake, the zeal of the participants was overwhelming. For a long time after, Dr. Vincent joined the group, and probably because of his presence, discussions centered upon past Western insults to China. Territorial aggrandizement, infringements upon sovereignty, special privileges demanded for Western nationals. The message was conveyed to him personally that, quote, under the cloak of medicine, he was nothing but a representative of, quote, exploitation, an agent of the, quote, imperialists, a lifelong, quote, spy, whose actions were from the beginning, quote, harmful to the Chinese people. Just as a little aside, by the way, the way that communists define the people is their people, or the ones that they're claiming are uh, who they champion. So laborers and peasants, who will benefit not at all from them, are the people, but because they're totally disenfranchised, actually, they don't really have any uh, power. These are So the people are, in seeming, the groups the communists claim to speak for, but it are in reality only the communists. If you are not one of them, you're in prison. You are not a people. You haven't learned how to see from the people's standpoint. You're not a person. You don't have the person's position, as they would say it today, or positionality. You haven't adopted the correct critical understanding of what it means to be in your social location, so you aren't one of them. You're brainwashed, falsely conscious outside of that, inauthentic, internalized in your bourgeois values or racism or sexism. So harmful to the Chinese people means harmful to the communists, but it's phrased in a way that actually means 
um, that gives you the impression that they mean large bodies of people or say the LGBTQ community, which by the way, doesn't exist. There are lots of LGBT and even Q individuals, but there are no communities except for like willful collectives, largely of activists, usually under the banner of queer or Q. Discussions starting at an intellectual level would quickly become concerned with personal analysis and criticism. When Dr. Vincent was found wanting in his adoption of the quote people's standpoint, or when his views were considered quote erroneous, it became necessary for him to quote examine himself and to look into the causes of these quote reactionary tendencies. He had to search out harmful quote bourgeois and quote imperialistic influences from his past for further evaluation and self-criticism. Every quote question or quote problem had to be quote solved according to the quote facts in order to get to the quote truth, viewing everything of course from the quote people's standpoint. This is what it's like to become woke, by the way. What it's explaining is when that when you are starting to fall into the cult, this is how they actually treat you. And your entire social universe that you exist in in a woke cult organization, whether it's a college, whether it's some community online, whether it's being a journalist and you're in like journalistic networks or whatever, your entire social apparatus, your entire professional apparatus depends upon this. And if you vary or get something wrong, you're going to get this treatment from your so-called friends. This is where you go if you fall for it, by the way. If you give in to the struggle session, this is where you go. This is your purgatory that you are letting yourself into. Special, quote, movements would take place, jolting the prisoners from the ordinary routine into renewed emotional efforts. Sometimes these were part of a broad all-China campaign, sometimes related to national prison movements and sometimes locally initiated. But whether directed at, quote, thought attitude prison discipline, hygiene problems, or personal confessions, they always serve to plunge each prisoner into a more thorough and compelling self-examination. Everyone was intent upon demonstrating that his own, quote, reform and, quote, progressive viewpoint. Everyone was intent upon demonstrating his own, quote, reform and, quote, progressive viewpoint. Get that? Progressive viewpoint. The atmosphere came to resemble that of a great moral crusade. Doesn't this explain a lot? I think this is roughly, I think I was a little further in actually. Somewhere around here is where I was on the plane when I was reading this the first time. And I looked out the window and I thought, this just cannot happen here. And then I realized, shit, this is our schools. This is DEI training at work. This is your experience on social media if you step out of line and you're, I guess, noteworthy enough. If you're not, they just ban you for no reason. Maybe less now. We'll see. Dr. Vincent was still, which which banning, by the way, that's getting kicked out to Siberia. That's a form of social exile or social death. Ask me how I know. I read eulogies about myself, which is strange when I got kicked off of Twitter. And after about three weeks, people more or less move on and they forget you exist. Because you died. I had people literally tell me, or I would meet them in person. Oh my gosh, I forgot you exist. Because I got kicked off social media and people thought I died. Because it's social death. But anyway, Dr. Vincent was still receiving more personal attention than anyone else in the cell. At first, he simply gave lip service to what he knew to be the, quote, correct point of view. But over a period of weeks and months, he began to accept these judgments inwardly and to apply them to himself. Why are the woke the way the woke are? Why are they brainwashed? Why do they believe this? Because you beat yourself up at their behest until you start to buy it. You start to see it that way. As Vincent says, 
In the cell, you work in order to recognize your crimes. They make you understand your crimes are very heavy. You did harm to the Chinese people. You really are a spy. And all the punishment you received was your own fault. In the cell, 12 hours a day, you talk and talk. You have to take part. You must discuss yourself, criticize, inspect yourself, denounce your thought. Little by little, you start to admit something and look to, and look to yourself only using the, quote, people's judgment. That's what Vincent says. It gets in your head. At times, the prison would take on a highly academic atmosphere. Vincent and his fellow prisoners would focus their attention on applying Marxist theory to Chinese and international problems. Prisoners would be referred to as, quote, schoolmates. Prison officials would be called, quote, instructors. And all would emphasize that only, quote, discussion and, quote, persuasion should be used to teach the ignorant. As Vincent became more and more involved in the process, he began to experience its impact. As he put it, they put in evidence in a compulsory way the progress of the people. The people have a future. The theories of Marx about history teach us that imperialism is condemned to be destroyed. They put in evidence all the examples of repression by the imperialists in China, the, their missions, their charity, helping landlords, helping the Guomintang, KMT, or Nationalist Party, all against the people. They put in evidence the development of the Soviet Union, its industries, re-education, culture, uplifting of the people, the friendly help of the Soviets to China. They told us of the victories against imperialism in the Korean War, the gradual remolding of the Chinese society, the three- and five-year plans in order to arrive at socialist society, the transformation of agriculture, the development of heavy industries. By the way, the trans these are why Mao got kicked out of power, because he did the Great Leap Forward, and it was a big disaster and killed millions of people, and they kicked him out. But anyway, the transformation of agriculture, the development of heavy industries, that was it. Military improvement to defend the people, peace movement. Living conditions of the Soviet state are very high. We see it in the movies, magazines, newspapers. We see, it, we see the better condition of the Chinese people in comparison with pre-liberation times. The hygiene movement in China, the cultural and the economic movement, the rights for minorities, right between, rights between man and woman, free elections, the difference between freedom and the socialist and imperialist worlds. They solve every problem through discussion, the Korean War, the Indo-Chinese War. They never use force. Every question is solved through conference. That's Vincent's explanation. But always the emphasis would shift back to the individual emotional experience, to the, quote, thought problems which prevented prisoners from making progress. Dr. Vincent learned to express, quote, spontaneously, all of his reactions and attitudes during the discussions, and especially to bring out his, quote, wrong thoughts. And as he did so, he became ever more enmeshed in the uh, special problem-solving techniques of this ideological world. He said, you have to get rid of and denounce all your imperialist thoughts, or transphobic ones, I guess. And you must criticize all of your own thoughts guided by the official. If not, they will have someone else solve your problem and criticize you more profoundly. You have a problem. You have to denounce it. A schoolmate has to help you. His help has to have, quote, proper standpoint. I am quiet. They say, you have a problem. I say, I wonder why the Chinese didn't confiscate all of the capitalist properties like the Soviets. I think it might be better to do it like the Russians. This is my problem. They have schoolmates to solve my problem, to demonstrate I am on the wrong side because of the Chinese communists have to proceed in another way. Their way is reform rather than compulsion. He demonstrates that the Soviet Revolution was different from the Chinese Revolution, that the Chinese capitalists suffered through the imperialists because we imperialists never gave them the opportunity to develop their industries. There's your victim mentality, by the way. 
self-victimizing. Now the Chinese capitalists have to be useful to the Chinese government and undergo reform. If they follow the government, they will have a bright future. They have to explain the facts until I am convinced. If I am not convinced, I must say I don't understand, and they bring new facts. If I am still not satisfied, I have the right to call an inspector, but I wouldn't. I would just accept. Otherwise, there might be a struggle. So again, we come back to the point of struggle, and that's why we're going into this part after you fall into the pit. Always lurking is the threat of the psychological torture of the struggle. You are all day, he says, under the compulsion of denouncing your thoughts and solving your problems. This is what it means to be woke, guys, in practice. You understand the truth of the people, day by day, moment by moment, and you cannot escape because from your... Ex- Because from your external manifestation, they say they can understand your internal situation. If you continually denounce your thoughts, you can be happy denouncing yourself. You are not resisting. But they keep a record. And after one week, if you are not saying anything, they tell you you are resisting your re-education. If you think out five or six problems, it is a good manifestation. You are progressing because you like to discuss your imperialist thoughts. This is necessary because if you don't get rid of these thoughts, you can't put in new ones. That's what he describes. When Vincent was too quiet and did not produce enough, quote, wrong thoughts, he was criticized for not being, quote, sincere, for not taking an active enough part in thought reform. When his views showed the slightest deviation from communist orthodoxy, he was told that he was, quote, too subjective, quote, individualistic, or that he retained, quote, imperialist attitudes. When it was felt that he was not wholeheartedly involved in his reform, but was merely going through the motions, he was accused of, quote, spreading a smokescreen, quote, window dressing, quote, finding a loophole, or, quote, failing to combine theory with practice. In modern words, they might say, quote, wokewashing, or, quote, greenwashing. And after a while, he followed the other's lead in seeking out these faults in himself through self-criticism and analyzing their cause and their significance. They might also, by the way, accuse you of taking up allyship to avoid doing further work on yourself. What we're dealing with is, let me be clear, a Maoist insurgency against the United States. A portion of the study hours each day were devoted to, quote, daily life criticisms, general conduct, attitudes toward others, willingness to do one's share of the work in the cell, eating and sleeping habits. Where Vincent was found wanting in any of these, this was attributed to, quote, imperialist or, quote, bourgeois greed and exploitation, in contrast to the, quote, people's attitude of sharing and cooperation. When considered lax in his work, he was criticized for lacking the, quote, correct labor point of view. When he dropped a plate, this was wasting the people's money. If he drank too much water, this was, quote, draining the blood of the people. If he took up too much room while sleeping, haven't we heard about taking up space? This was, quote, imperialistic expansion. Vincent would still hear talk of men who were shot because, quote, they resisted. And on the other hand, he heard of the, quote, bright future, early release or happy existence in China for those who, quote, accepted their re-education. This continues, by the way, the next section is called Advanced Standing. After more than a year of this continuous, quote, re-education, Vincent was again subjected to a series of interrogations aimed at once more reconstructing his confession, quote, because after one year, the government hopes you understand a little better your crimes, end quote. 
Now from among the great mass of material which he had already produced, the judge focused upon a few selected points, all of which had some relationship to actual events, and thus, quote, from a wild confession you go to a more concrete confession, end quote. Then eight, quote, crimes emerged, including membership in a right-wing French political organization, several forms of, quote, espionage and, quote, intelligence, in association with American Catholic and other, quote, reactionary groups, other anti-communist activities, and, quote, slanderous insults to the Chinese people. But now Vincent was more deeply immersed in the, quote, people's standpoint, and the confession had much, a much greater sense of reality for him than before. He says, you have the feeling that you look to yourself on the people's side and that you are a criminal. See, you start to believe that you are racist and transphobic. Not all of the time, but moments. You think they are right. Quote, I did this. I am a criminal. If you doubt, you keep it to yourself, because if you admit the doubt, you will be struggled and lose the progress you have made. In this way, they built up a spy mentality. They built up a criminal. It means they turned you into somebody who believes yourself to be that. Then your, inter, uh, your invention becomes a reality. Let me get that again. Then your invention becomes a reality. They built up a spy mentality. They built up a criminal. Then your invention, what you accuse yourself of being, becomes a reality. You feel guilty because all of the time you have to look at yourself from the people's standpoint, and the more deeply you go into the people's standpoint, the more you recognize your crimes. And at this point, he began, in the quote, correct manner, to relate his own sense of guilt to the communist worldview. In Vincent's words, they taught us what it means to be a capitalist, to enslave and exploit the people so that a small group of persons can enjoy life at the expense of the masses, their capital coming from bl the blood of the people, not from labor, that all property comes from the blood of the peasant, or all the trans suicides, that we helped this bad policy, or all of the, the gay nightclubs that get shot up. We helped this bad policy, that our mind is a capitalistic mind, or transphobic one. And in our profession, we exploited everyone. We used our profession to exploit people, as we can see from our crimes. You're a grifter. You're a grifter. You're a grifter. Then came another 14 months of full-time re-education. 14 more months. It's already been 12 months. Vincent continued to concentrate upon applying communist theory to his personal situation, demonstrating an ever-expanding, quote, recognition of his, quote, crimes. In his words, after two years, in order to show that you are, are more on the people's side, you increase your crimes. I said I wasn't frank before. There, was, there were really more intelligences. This is a good point. It means that you are analyzing your crimes. It means that you realize your crimes are very big and that you are not afraid to denounce yourself, that you trust the people, trust your re-education, and that you like to be reformed. See, when I said that you give away a part of your soul, that's what I'm talking about. You are giving it to them. You are destroying yourself as a human and making yourself into a communist. You don't trust yourself. You don't trust your friends. You don't trust your family. You trust the communists. By this time, his activities were no longer limited to his own case. He had helped by now, be, he had by now, sorry, he had by now uh, become more active and skillful in criticizing others, quote, helping them to make progress in confession and reform. He had become an experienced prisoner, and he was beginning to be looked upon as a true progressive. 
He even came to believe a great deal of what he was expressing, although not in a simple manner. He says, You begin to believe all this, but it is a special kind of belief. You're not absolutely convinced, but you accept it. In order to avoid trouble, because every time you don't agree, trouble starts again. You're going to get struggled again. During his third year of imprisonment, he was once more called in for a revision of his confession, the document became even more brief, concrete, quote, logical, and convincing. Now Vincent began to think of uh, his sentence, estimating it from the, quote, people standpoint, which had become so much a part of him. You have the feeling, he said, that your sentence is coming and that you will be sent somewhere else, and you are waiting. You think, how long? Maybe 20, 25 years, and you will be sent to reform through labor, to a factory or to a field. They are very generous about this. The government is very generous. The people are very generous. Now you know that you cannot be shot, but you are thinking that your crimes are very heavy. It goes on and on and on like this. I want to make sure. Okay, yeah. Um, this is, I think, all I wanted to read from Vincent's experience. You get the flavor of this. You really should read this book if you get the chance. Now let's wrap it back to the situation I found myself in and see if there are any parallels. Again, just to start off by saying in communist China, this happened in prison. And then later in the streets, to families, in families, in schools, and uh, through schools, and so on in China especially in the Cultural Revolution, it kind of went everywhere. That's what they are attempting to do and partially succeeding to do here in the United States, and that's why things are like they are. That's what cancel culture is, by the way. That's what these mass uh, mass lines of action or these active measures that we experience, sometimes we call them psyops or whatever, that we experience on social media, these struggle sessions on social media in particular, that's what they're about. So in China, though, you were arrested and dragged to prison and put through this ordeal. Today, it's a little bit even more perverse because it happens when not in an institution to you as a condition of your employment or part of your education or whatever. You are signing up for it. It happens in social media, which you can actually decide not to participate in. You actually are signing up for the prison, which is social media, intentionally, voluntarily. You are going into the thought reform prison on purpose. And why would you do that, as abusive as it is? You ever tried to not? As somebody who got kicked out for 105 days, let me tell you what it's like. Especially when something like this is going on, you feel an overwhelming pressure to go defend yourself, even though it can only make it worse. But let's say that you just don't want to use social media. You start to feel very alone. You start to feel like you can't get a message out if you have a message. Especially if you're a person who works in information like myself or, you know, journalists or whoever else, you feel like you have lost your ability to actually communicate. You're not going to get put on television. You're not going to get invited to write things publicly. You're going to slowly be cut off from social existence. So if you want to have social existence on today's terms, you unfortunately have to be involved in social media. But for the moment, the social media has been turned into a Maoist struggle session institution. It is the prison. Only you go there voluntarily because you wish to have a social life in 21st century terms. And your professional existence in many different domains, especially if you end up being somebody who's like a writer or an influencer or whatever you want to call people like myself, your professional experience actually largely depends on it. It's very difficult to get 
um, all the aspects. It's difficult to get information that's good. It's difficult to know what's going on. It's difficult to feel connected. Um, it's also difficult to get your message out, to share things, to grow, draw attention to things that you've produced. Um, I think a lot about, I wish I had the wording in front of me. I wish I would have thought ahead because uh, Christopher Hitchens is just so eloquent. Maybe I'll do a podcast about this specifically at some point, but Hitchens, Christopher Hitchens, when he was dying of cancer, wrote a lot about mortality. And he wrote at one point something to the effect of, and I can't do justice to his wordsmithing because it's amazing, uh, that it's the problem with dying isn't that the party is going to stop. It's in fact knowing that the party is most assuredly going to go on just without you in it. And you feel that. Like I said, I predicted when I got kicked off of Twitter, on the day I got kicked off of Twitter, I predicted that it would take three weeks or so and people would largely forget that I exist. There was a great campaign for me, and thank you for those of you who participated in the first few days after I got kicked off of Twitter. Lots of articles got written about me getting kicked off Twitter. I got interviewed a few times. And by about three weeks later, I was in my public appearances that were already kind of separate from it, apparently, and um, putting out my podcasts and articles, but largely forgotten about, largely disconnected. Most people did not ever try to read that I knew and had online relationships with some did, but most never bothered to try to reach out. And I slowly watched myself die. And occasionally I would, I was in lots of group chats on different, you know, texts and things and signal and whatever. And noticing, you know, a lot of people, all my friends, everybody sharing stuff that's going on on Twitter and you live the experience, this social, this weird social death you live the experience of knowing that most assuredly the party is going on and you're not in it. And it's intense. So you sign up for the prison. You sign up for the potential to be struggled as long as the Maoists run the social media institutions. And what it takes the form of in a social media environment is relentless harassment campaigns. They can't do anything. They can't actually put you in chains. They might be able to get you exiled from the platform, at which point they actually can't do anything to you. You don't get struggled outside of the platform unless they start writing a lot of articles about you, in which case you literally don't have to read them. Um, when you're online, they can't directly get to you. When you're online, they can. When you're on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, they can. And it is... It takes the form of relentless harassment campaigns from thousands and thousands of accounts. Who knows how many of them are bots? I mean, Matt Binder and Alejandro uh, did a podcast together and admitted that they use these kinds of uh, mechanisms to harass people. Somehow they're still on Twitter, uh, despite Elon saying that that's strongly against his policy and it being against the uh, written policy of Twitter. And more importantly, it's that the relentless harassment campaign isn't just a harassment campaign. It's that people who are doing it are blatantly mischaracterizing the thing that they're putting forth, which really eats at you because you're like, if I could just correct the record and then your friends start to get sucked into it with these wild exaggerations, these guesses, nonsense, the smears, the smears that I'm somehow a pedophile adjacent. I felt so bad for Nikki involved in this particular thing I went through because she's having to read all this horrific shit about herself that's not true because these people are so angry and want to make my life suck. So she's getting like secondhand destruction over here, which is sucks. But guesses, remember that part of the story where they believed that I went on a road trip? This just made up wild exaggerations and guesses, just 
the most salacious nonsense. The mo- it's not even yellow journalists. I don't know what color it is. It's like something much fouler than yellow. It's the most ludicrous thing. And you just, you just feel like, dude, we just went to lunch. What the fuck are you talking about? You just feel like if you could say that. But as I predicted, I put on Twitter, people ask me, why won't you just explain it? Some of my friends, and I was quite pissed off and I actually blocked a lot of people, which means the communists kind of got me in one who were, you know, in my orbit because they wanted me to explain it. And, uh, I, I predicted to them There's no point in explaining it. First of all, it won't satisfy the Maoists. They're just going to dance on it. They're just going to gleefully dance on it and make make light of it and twist it and turn it into something awful. They don't want an explanation. They want to humiliate. They want to demoralize. They want you to give in and break off a piece of your soul and give it to them. They want you to dehumanize yourself so you find your humanization in Marxist theory, in their view of the world, in their tyranny. That's what they want. So explaining it won't satisfy them. It won't stop it. It won't slow it down. It may accelerate it. But I also said, if I explain it, I have 340,000 followers on Twitter. I guarantee you that about 1% of my audience will see it or care. I don't know how many actually saw it. I finally did after I felt like they lost just the other day, knowing, actually yesterday, knowing I was going to record this today. uh, And therefore, okay, let's just go ahead and I'll make fun of them and put out the explanation and drag them with it, which I did. And uh, I have 340,000 followers. And when I got up this morning, it had like 380 likes. 1%, baby. 1%. So I'm supposed to explain this to my audience. Let's say it'll go away. I actually, in practice, might reach 1%. So in fact, what I'm going to do is explain it and explain it and explain it and explain it again and again and again and again and again. How long? Forever. And every time it eats at your mind. So you don't give in to their demand to explain. That's a false option. And every one of you out there who participated in it because of your curiosity you fell for it. You fell for it and became a communist tool because you felt like you deserve an explanation for something that they ginned up. And you need to know, they know that they're wildly full of shit and just malicious. Some of their brainwashed, dumbass foot, foot soldiers who don't think for two seconds before they say or do anything may not know. They are mean. They are broken. They are empty. They are malicious people. But the people orchestrating this know they are full of shit and they're laughing when you fall for it. They're laughing when it makes a mess of their target's life. That's the target. And it creates an overwhelming pressure to try to clear the air, which will not work, at which point the whole cycle begins again. So you confess to your crimes. You say, I recognize why somebody might think this. No, I don't recognize why somebody might think this. If you thought that, You need to check yourself. You're falling for communist smears. As I read to you directly from the tweet to start out, the requests come in, the the request for what you're supposed to do from the malicious smearers, but also from your friends that get sucked into this, or parasocial friendly relationships, uh, they are often in the form of requests to, to explain yourself, which you are overwhelmingly feeling the pressure to do, but they tend to require that you denounce someone or something. Denounce this, denounce that, denounce, denounce, denounce. Like I said, that is cutting off a piece of your soul. To denounce a friend or even an innocent person is a betrayal. It is causing you to commit a betrayal so you can feel a 
dose of relief or imagine that you're going to feel a dose of relief. To denounce yourself is humiliating and demoralizing. It is to accept their interpretation of what you know wasn't a problem if it genuinely wasn't. To give into a demand to denounce anything at all is demoralizing and subordinating. You are making yourself subordinate to the person demanding you denounce something. And in general, you get see this all over social media. This is huge right now. This is all over everything. Conservatives need to denounce XYZ. If you're being asked to denounce something that's obviously bad and everybody knows it's bad, they're humiliating you. And when you do it, when you denounce it, they got you. If someone is asking you to denounce something obviously bad, they are trying to humiliate you. You are under no obligation to say that obviously terrible things are, obvi- are, are, are bad. You don't have to make that public statement. You don't have to participate. And the demand for you to do so is, well, if you don't, you won't fit in the social circle anymore, is a struggle session. They are asking you to cut off a piece of your soul. Nobody has to denounce pedophilia except pedophiles. Nobody has to participate in this. Nobody had to say in 2020 that black lives actually, as not the organization, that black lives do matter. Nobody had to say that. Forcing you to say it, forcing you to say, well, of course, I think black lives matter, but I don't agree with the organization. They got you. They humiliated you. They made you say something obvious. And the key part of that is they made you do it. Why? To satisfy them or to satisfy a culture of milieu that they have control over that manipulated you into doing it. They made you cut off a piece of your soul and give it to them. And you come out less for this. You come out diminished. You come out a little bit broken and most importantly, subordinated, just like Dr. Vincent in the story we just read. The reason it works is because they create Even though it's false, it's still social pressure. Social pressure, they they socially construct an extreme pressure to confess or else you will be socially destroyed. Remember, Vincent's word was annihilated. This is reinforced by people you know asking you to fulfill the falsely reasonable request. The request is not reasonable. They are falsely reasonable requests. Just explain yourself. Just tell the story. Just admit that you don't really know this person. Just admit that she's bad, whatever it happens to be. Most of the actual struggle comes from this and people who are in your friendly sphere, parasocial or social, asking you to explain it publicly or privately. Your, meaning you if you fell for this, Mostly idle curiosity. Oh, here's this scandal. What is it? I think I like James. Well, what is this about? I think because I liked some shit you put on social media, you'd owe me an explanation. No offense, fans. Bitch, I got like a million of you. I can't explain it to all of you. It would be nothing else to do for a hundred years if I had to explain it to all of you. I shared your crap. You owe me an explanation. Your curiosity and willingness to doubt was a weapon in the hand of communists and it worked. And it works in real life. It works to create real life consequences. People will begin outlets, for example, platforms, whether it's media, whether it's um, places where I might be invited to speak, become a little bit like, eh, is it worth the trouble? Or maybe there's something to that. That's a little weird. I don't know if I want to get into it. And they distance themselves from you. And the communists separate and separate and separate on their terms. And it works. And where it really starts to get to you 
if you've never been through one, it gets to you immediately. It's huge because you actually think these people are good faith actors instead of uh, violent manipulators. But when you've been through this rodeo a few times, I've been through it 40 or 50, never this intensely. Um, it doesn't actually start to work at first. It starts to work when you start to see actual people in your real life taking measures. You get canceled from a show. You get told that, you know, this this venue where you're supposed to speak is having all kinds of problems as a result of it. They're being asked to explain it. They don't even know the story and they're being asked to explain it. Your friends are texting you, hey, I mean, I know you're innocent, but could you just tell me what the heck this is? And the thing is, Maoists do this because Maoism works. Maoism destroys people. Maoism destroys communities. Maoism destroys cultures. Maoism destroys nations. And it works. And the hardest, hardest, ugly part, the part that would demoralize you if you don't know what's coming, and so you need to know what's coming, is you're going to get far, far less support from your friends than you expect you will. They're busy. They have other things to do. They may not even see it. They might not be paying attention. They face a similar threat if they get involved. If they join in, they're going to get smeared too. They're going to get blasted with it too. Their harassment campaign will come to them. They are... They just don't want any part of it. Maybe they aren't that close to you and they don't want the controversy. Maybe they don't want to take a stand. Maybe they have other things to do. Maybe they think it's just mudslinging and muck and they don't want to be involved in it. It's just two dickheads fighting on the internet. They don't want to be a part of that mess. Somebody else's problem. They won't come for you. They won't come to help you. They will not. Um, for a million reasons. So you need. Th there will be some who do. And bless that handful of you who did. Uh, but the vast majority of people will not come to your defense. Now, there were a lot of people who, who, who I don't know who they are, but I'm talking about people that I actually have interacted with, uh, in person. Um, in this case, there is that one other account, which I've been advised not to name is called an open secret, uh, that made a documentary, et cetera, about, um, exposing groomers that latched onto this story. By the way, they also tried to destroy Matt Gates when, when Matt got accused of whatever he got accused of a couple of years ago. Um, they also have been identified as feeding information to media matters because they're a good right-wing organization. Lots and lots and lots of people, including a lot of big accounts that are friends of mine, like personal friends of mine, follow this account. And even upon being indicated, shown, this is, this is what these people are doing to me. They still follow it, et cetera. That's, that shit gets to you. I'll, let me just tell you that shit gets to you. And the number of people in my orbit who were like, wow, I supported Lindsay until I saw this, whether they're fake or real, I don't know. Some of them are real. Some of them are people that I actually have interacted with, some in person. And they're like, oh, wow, that stuff gets to you. You can't rely on your friends. This has to happen within you. This is why if you actually read Rest of Lift and you find some of the people who are the least affected or ones who could anchor by the, by the, the, the milieu of the communist prisons, who could anchor themselves in one of two things, one being their faith in God, which is completely personal, and that if you're strong enough in it, they can't fully touch. And another is, there's a there's an example of a guy who's a scientist who goes in there and sees it all as just a scientific experiment, and he's like in his head collecting data about what they're doing to him. And those people resist it better than others. Uh, I, of course, have a business explaining these things, so here I am, and that helped me resist it. But let me just tell you, confessing, coming out and trying to explain, whatever. They say if you're explaining, you're losing. In this case, when you're in the middle of a Maoist struggle session, confession means betraying yourself and possibly others. In this case, a friend of mine. To betray yourself or others is to give away some part of what makes you truly human. 
It is to dehumanize yourself. It is to cut off a piece of your soul. And that is the part of you that honors others, that makes relationships trustworthy and loyal. That's the part that makes you trustworthy instead of craven. So when you fail, you make yourself less trustworthy. You betray somebody. Everybody else sees you betray somebody for your own skin. You're craven and you damage all of your relationships. You become less trustworthy as a person. That's the part of you that makes you loyal. And what they need to destroy is your loyalty to anything except them, to their regime, which will torture you when you're not loyal to it. You're going right back into the struggle when you don't. So they make you give that away. They don't take it from you. Pay attention. They make you give it away so that you debase and demoralize yourself, so that you cut yourself off from your social circle, so that you undermine your worthiness. And that demoralizes others who are disappointed in you when they see it happen. You make yourself less trustworthy, less loyal, less human, so that you can escape a psychological pressure they're putting on you. And we're going to hear more about that from Lifton. We're not done with him. You do this pursuing the false promise of genuine leniency. We already heard that. The leniency is not real. You feel like you're going to get leniency and reprieve. They're, they're dangled in front of you, but they're false at best, if not an outright lie. There's a million reasons why I already talked about them. You, whatever you say will be insufficient. Our friends at the Open Secret or an Open Secret proved that. I they said they wanted to debate me about the experience. I uh, explain. They they said I won't explain it. I won't explain it. I won't. For days they've done this. Days and days and days. They just keep going after it. They sunk their teeth in it. Won't let it go. And so I give the explanation, and they explained. They immediately mocked it. Immediately explained why it wasn't sufficient. You have a scattered audience. Most of your audience isn't paying that much of attention to you, especially if you're a smaller account on social media. Most of them aren't. Most of the people you think you're talking to, you're not talking to most of the time because they're not paying attention because they have lives. They're at work. They're doing things. They're hanging out with their kids. They're not too online, et cetera, especially if you're a too online person. You don't realize most people just aren't going to see it. I am apparently, allegedly, from what I keep being told and shown, massively shadow banned still on Twitter. My explanations don't even reach most of my audience because most of them don't even get to see it because for some reason my account, even though I've been let back on, is still massively suppressed. Thanks, Elon. So just before we get back to, to Lifton, what are some kind of summary points about what you do and don't do? So what do you do? It's funny. I've actually written down a list of these things, and the first thing I said is, is a don't. The first do is a don't. Um, which is kind of messed up. Don't give in. Okay. So I, that needs to be as a do. Do not give in. Okay. That's a do. You must not attempt to clear the air during the struggle session. You can afterwards. It doesn't matter then. You have to win the, the, the psychological victory first. You might be able to give a quick, clear, factual, immediate explanation where you do not throw anyone else under the bus to kind of explain. I, in fact, did that, by the way. I said, why don't you just look at the picture in my profile picture, and maybe you'll get a clue about what is meant by I taught him everything he knows. Their insinuation, these lunatic leftists who also think I went on a cross-country road trip to a Mexican restaurant five minutes away, um, also believe that Nikki saying that she taught me everything I know, which is an obvious reference to man spreading in the picture, with the man spreading in the profile picture, which is the obvious joke of the whole thing, meant something deep and sinister, like that she taught me about grooming and sex trafficking and all these things, blah, blah, blah. 
what you can do, hit back. It turns out that this smear campaign has not stopped on me, but it slowed down a lot when I started sharing all of Matt Binder's support for cuties and some other things. When uh, some friends of mine who did come to the defense made, and thank you, thank you very much, Frank, actually, started to make really ugly and hilarious memes exposing how ridiculous and hypocritical all of this is. This is what you can do online. You can't do that at your DEI office or your DEI uh, training at work. Your kid at school isn't going to be able to do that against the the, uh, social emotional learning very well. Another thing you can do, at least especially online, is to lean in and mock it. You can feed the beast, but you can only do this if you can take it because they will escalate and you will pay for that escalation and people will beg you to stop and you'll lose thousands of followers. Right? If you have a big enough account, you'll lose lots of followers, a significant percentage of your followers. I lost 1% of mine over this, um, which is over 3,000 in this case. Um, you get used to it. It happens. Uh, but if you feed it, the upside is, how do you feel if you see that picture now? You're annoyed, you're bored, you think that they're pathetic, and so you saturate the environment and actually take away their stick. Another thing you can do and should do is log off and don't look if it's online. Obviously, it doesn't work. You can't just not go to your workplace DEI uh, struggle sessions, and you um, your kids can't skip SEL at school unless you take them out and homeschool them. You can file complaints. However, at work, you can actually look to mount lawsuits. All of these things will intensify the problem, but it actually is better, especially just to get a paper trail going. One of the most important things you can do is make sure that you do have some real friends in real life, real actual human beings that you spend time with in person. And when you are not online and not looking, you are spending time with those people because they will make sure that you stay psychologically grounded. So what not to do? I already started with the first one. Don't give in. Do not do what is asked of you. Do not believe the lies. Do not believe the lie in particular that there is a way out of this by doing what you're being told to do, which is to confess, explain, etc. There's not. Do not rely upon most of your friends to defend you, even for completely benign reasons, that it's too bit they're too busy, that it's unclear to them what's going on, or that they just don't want to get their, their hands dirty, because they won't. And if you think that they're going to come to your defense, they're going to let you down and you're going to get broken inside over that and start hating people and demoralize and black pill, etc. Don't do it. Don't get suicidal. Don't take it personally. Let the thing burn out, fight it, do whatever you think you can do. But I will tell you every time you engage, it's toxic. Everybody ends up feeling nasty. Um, as we're going to hear from Lifton, there is no going through this without being psychologically impacted. It gets to everybody. So let's turn back to Lifton and read some more about the psychology of this. Now that we've heard all of this, we've got an example of a struggle session. You kind of know the context in which things are happening. You hear what I have to say about my situation, which doesn't need more elaboration. We're going to start with a passage from Lifton. There's an important chapter after he describes Dr. Vincent and a, and a priest, Father Luca, um, following Vincent, where he goes into the kind of psychological overview of the 12 steps of thought reform, breaking it down, and he says it all comes down to a process of death and rebirth. And I've read this death and rebirth passage several times, sometimes on stage, several times in the podcast. It bears repeating. I can't, again, urge you strongly enough to read this book. It's long, it's brutally ugly to read, 
at certain parts. But what Lifton says is both Dr. Vincent and Father Luca took part in an agonizing drama of death and rebirth. In each case, it was made clear that the, quote, reactionary spy who entered the prison must perish, and that in his place must arise a, quote, new man, resurrected in the communist mold. Indeed, Dr. Vincent still used the phrase, quote, to die and be reborn, words which he had heard more than once during his imprisonment. Doesn't it read differently this time if you're a usual or regular listener to the podcast after you've heard what he actually went through? Doesn't that, I've read that before and it probably doesn't register. Now you hear what he went through with most of his chapters, chapters, what I read to you, and now you know what it's referring to. Doesn't it hit different? It's nasty. And so... Lifton continues, neither of these men had initiated the drama. Again, I find this relatable. Indeed, at first, both had resisted it and tried to remain quite outside of it. I find that relatable. But their environment did not permit any sidestepping. I find that relatable. They were forced to participate, drawn into the forces around them until they themselves began to feel the need to confess and to reform. I find all but the last part relatable. I felt no particular uh, real need to do so. I recognize that that wouldn't work. This next sentence Lifton puts in all italics, so it's important. This penetration by the psychological forces of the environment into the inner emotions of the individual person is perhaps the outstanding psychiatric fact of thought reform. And I butchered the last word. Is perhaps the outstanding psychiatric fact of thought reform. The milieu brings to bear upon the prisoner a series of overwhelming pressures, at the same time allowing only a very limited set of alternatives for adapting to them. Namely, you must denounce, usually somebody, or something, or yourself. You must give up, say, something very effective, like saying, okay, groomer, because obviously now it's muddy, it cuts both ways. I'm actually, they, they create the illusion that I'm projecting when I say that when actually what I'm doing is reading Drag Queen Story Hour academic papers that are the most groomer thing that I've ever seen. So much so that I did an interview with a guy for the BBC at one point. I don't know if we were on record or not at this point. It certainly won't come out, I don't think. And he was saying, don't you think it's so dangerous to use the word groomer? My bad British accent is a little bit of mocking. And I, I was like, no. And I was like, before we talk about this, let me just read this to you. And I read parts of the Drag Queen Story Hour paper, and I was like, I'm looking for the word that fits. And he, he, his reaction was, <laughs> yes, and yeah, no shit, it's grooming. I did the same thing. I got heckled at Iowa State recently by a guy after my talk, and he wanted me to explain my participation in the so-called groomer moral panic, to which eventually I said, okay, groomer to him, um, because he started to just cuss me out when I kind of cut them off or whatever, but I did the same thing. I started to read pieces of the Drag Queen Story Hour paper, including the last part where it says, and we'll leave a trail of glitter in the carpet that will never come out. Um, and the parts where it says that the point is alternative modes of kinship to, a, to to bring kids into living queerly, and that it's family friendly in the sense of family, meaning the queer family on the street, um, for alternate, alternate modes of kinship. So you leave your, you're, you're inducing kids to want to leave their family and join a queer family. No child abuse ever happens in those, by the way. Uh, literal grooming. And I say, well, what word do you use for this? And he said, well, I asked you to account for yourself. Struggle session. And you read an anecdote. No, I didn't. I read an academic paper. Then he yelled at me, told me to go fuck myself. I told him, okay, groomer. It was charming. 
Anyway, but you see what's happening here. The milieu brings to bear upon the prisoner a series of overwhelming pressures at the same time allowing only a very limited set of alternatives for adapting to them. In the interplay between person and environment, a sequence of steps or operations of combinations of manipulation and response takes place. All of these steps revolve about two policies and two demands, the fluctuation between assault and leniency and the requirements of confession and re-education. The physical and emotional assaults bring about the symbolic death. Leniency and the developing confession are the bridge between death and rebirth. The re-education process, along with the final confession, create the rebirth experience. Death and rebirth, even when symbolic, and this is key, listen, affect one's entire being, but especially that part related to loyalties and beliefs to the sense of being a specific person and at the same time being related to and part of groups of other people, or in other words, to one's sense of inner identity, okay? That's super important. The process of the struggle session is to affect one's entire being, even if just symbolic, through emotional abuse, and the goal is to attack the parts related to loyalties and beliefs, to your beliefs about yourself, about your standing within a community, to your sense of identity, inner sense of identity, to your connection, to relationship, to other groups of people, to believing you are who you are and that person is worthy of esteem, self-esteem. These are the things that are under attack. Loyalties and beliefs, sense of identity, they're brutally put under attack. That's the goal, to kill off the old self and get you to adopt a new self that isn't so problematic. That's so important to realize that they're trying to kill off the part of you that forms loyalties, the part of you that is socially connected to other people and understands yourself as a person that can be held in esteem within a social community, which is a core part of what it means to be human, which is a core part of the reason, psychologically speaking, what, what, what psychological and social needs are met by religions. The psychology of religion as a field is abundantly clear on this, that it enables you to understand yourself as belonging to a particular community of other people and what it means to be a part of that, which of course you see then woke is a religion from this as well. But that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to affect social death within your social circles so that you become isolated and increasingly vulnerable until you don't know who you are. You don't know where you stand. You don't trust the people around you. In other words, they attack you at the level of your loyalties and belief into the sense of your inner identity. They do this through a series of processes. In fact, um, Lifton breaks it down into 12 parts. I'm not going to read from all 12 because I'm focused on the struggle session aspect. The first one I'm skipping entirely, which is the assault on identity, but then there's about the establishment of a sense of guilt, or actually the establishment of guilt is the way that, that he phrases it. And here's a Here's a couple paragraphs or part of part of that section. He says, Dr. Vincent and Father Luca found themselves unanimously condemned by a, quote, infallible environment. See, the woke internet is infallible. The woke are better than you. What motivates them to act the way that they are act is that they, because of their actual emptiness, project that they are better than you. They think that they are the moral and intellectual superiors of everybody else, and in particular you. So they are infallible compared to you. You are deplorable. They are awake. Right? The message of guilt which they received was both existential, you are guilty, and psychological, psychologically demanding. You must first learn to feel guilty. As this individual guilt potential was tapped, both men had no choice 
but to experience first unconsciously and then consciously a sense of evil, namely in themselves, by the way. Both became so permeated by the atmosphere of guilt that external criminal accusations became merged with subjective feelings of sinfulness, of having done wrong. This is what the struggle session process is meant to facilitate. Feelings of resentment, which in such a situation could have been a source of strength, were short-lived. They gave way to the gradual feeling that the punishment was deserved, that more was to be expected. In making their early false confessions, Dr. Vincent and Father Luca were beginning to accept the guilty role of the criminal. This is why you must not give in to their demands. When you make your early false confession, you're beginning to accept the guilty role of the criminal. When you come out and say, I don't think I did anything wrong. In other words, I don't recognize my crimes, but I can see why they would think that. You've already started to make your early false confession. You've already started to assume the guilty role. They've already started to dominate you, and you have assumed a subordinate position to them. Gradually, a voice within them was made to say ever more loudly, quote, It is my sinfulness and not their injustice which causes me to suffer, although I do not yet know the full measure of my guilt. Of course, the implication is that you're then going to go look for the full measure of your guilt so that you can understand it. Vincent said, as you you heard a few minutes ago, that you are in this weird, like, brainwashed state where you do and don't accept it at the same time. You know it's fake, but you kind of believe it, and you kind of, you live by it, but you kind of know it's fake, but you know that you can't not do it because then you're going to get struggled again. And so you end up in, this. that is the brainwashed state. And eventually, it will either, usually brainwashing actually doesn't work, it kind of can, but it will usually lead to a psychotic break. You'll end up having some kind of a massive issue. We'll hear more about that later because they manipulate that stage stage two. Um, hey, Kanye. Uh, and so you have a psychotic break in psycho psychological terms. They call this reintegration. When you've been brainwashed and you start to kind of get back into sync with reality, you go through a reintegration and you actually go crazy. And if you're Kanye, they put you back on loads and loads and loads of drugs like lithium and so on to make you nuts. And then they do whatever it is that they do with you um, so that you become an operation to destroy Trump, which seems to have worked. We'll see how that plays out later. Another section or next section is about betrayal and self-betrayal. That's the goal of the struggle session, guys. Betrayal to get you to betray others and self-betrayal to get you to betray yourself. Remember how Marx talked endlessly, and you always must read them with the Iron Law of Oak Projection, about how what private property does is it estranges man from himself and from other men and from nature, blah, 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 and his true nature, right? So it estranges... He says that capitalism or capital estranges people from themselves and each other. What they are asking you to do is estrange yourself from yourself and others. It's always the Iron Law book projection. And so here's what Lifton says. The series of denunciations of friends and colleagues, which both Dr. Vincent and Father Luca were required to make, had special significance. It was not a coincidence that thousands of people asked me to denounce my friend. It is not a coincidence. The series of denunciations of friends and colleagues, which both Dr. Vincent and Father Luca were required to make, had special significance. Not only did making these accusations increase their own feelings of guilt and shame, it put them in the position of subverting the structures of their own lives. Do you hear that? Do you understand what it does? What the point of the struggle session is? They were, in effect, being made to renounce the people, the organizations, and the standards of behavior which had formed the matrix of their previous existence. I'm telling you, you they're demanding that you cut off. They can't do it to you. 
They are demanding that you cut off a piece of your own soul and give it to them. They were being forced to betray, not so much their friends and colleagues, as a vital core of themselves. Do you understand? This self-betrayal was extended through the pressures to, quote, accept help, and in turn, quote, help others. Remember helping here, and there's a quote, I don't have it, from Dr. Vincent, where he says that he came to realize that the words are upside down and that helping actually means harming, that communists use words in an inverted way. This self-betrayal was extended through the pressures to, quote, accept help and in turn help others. Let me read that without the bullshit word. Abuse is what we're going to put in place of help. The self-betrayal was extended through the pressures to accept abuse and in turn abuse others. Within the bizarre morality of the prison environment, the prisoner finds himself almost without realizing it violating many of his most sacred personal ethics and personal sta- or, and behavioral standards. That's the goal of the struggle session. It's to turn you into a demon. At least metaphorically. Well, I mean, they want to make you a communist, so maybe literally. Skipping a little bit, it goes on in this section. Although there is a continuing tension between holding on and letting go, some degree of self-betrayal is quickly seen as a way to survival. But the more of one's self one is led to betray, the greater is one's involvement with his captors. I told you, you're giving, you're cutting off a piece of your soul and giving it to them. For by these means, they make contact with whatever similar tendencies already exist within the prisoner himself, with the doubts, antagonisms, and ambivalences which, which each of us carries beneath the surface of his loyalties. This bond of betrayal between prisoner and environment may develop to the point where it seems to him to be all he has to grasp. Turning back becomes ever more difficult. They put you in a condition of struggle to where all you have is the ability to betray and betray and betray and betray. And they call this humanization because the iron law of woke projection never misses. It is pure dehumanization. Next section is the breaking point, or another one. I don't remember which ones I skipped. Before long, Father Luca and Dr. Vincent found themselves at an absolute impasse with their environment. Each was looked upon not only as an enemy, but also as a man completely out of step. Isn't that what the woke do? You're completely out of step with the way that times are changing. Transphobia is the thing, homophobia, feminism, whatever it is. You're out of step. You're a racist because you don't understand critical race theory. You're the one who's out of step. Each was look each was looked on looked upon not only as an enemy but also as a man completely out of step they were aware of being in painful disagreement with the alleged truths which by the way are called smears about their past and yet at this point they were unclear about what these quote truths were at the same time they had been impressed with the inflexibility of their milieu the government being infallible would not give way It was the, quote, stubborn criminal who had to, quote, change. Their situation was like that of a man taken suddenly from his ordinary routine and placed in a hospital for the criminally insane, where he is accused of a horrendous but vague crime, which he is expected to recognize and confess, where his assertion of innocence is viewed as a symptom of his disease, as a paranoid delusion, and where every other inmate patient is wholly dedicated to the task of pressuring him into a confession and a, quote, cure, The sense of total reversal is like that of Alice after falling down the rabbit hole, but the weirdness of the experience is more that of a Kafka hero. 
It's so important to understand, okay? It is the stubborn criminal who has to change. And this is, there's, a, there's a deep point here. What the woke use for their negations, for their destructions, for their deconstructions are throwaway. They're false. They're fabrications. They're fictions. They're not real. They actually don't lose anything. And within their own networks, within their own communities, they don't lose credibility. By smearing somebody, they gain credibility because their thought is symbolic. They denounced the person that needs to be denounced. Doesn't matter if it was true or not. Truth and falsity don't matter. It's made up whole cloth. They don't lose anything. And so they have they incur no cost from participating in this. In fact, they gain. It's funny to them. And so their credibility is not on the line. Their credibility is defined in other terms, which is that they denounce the right people and show the right symbols. They show up, they have a Ukraine flag in their bio or whatever it happens to be. He, him, okay. They, them. He, they, him, them, Shay, whatever. Okay. They, they, they have, they, it's all symbol thinking. And if they're doing the right symbols and they're playing in the denounce the wrong things and announce the right things symbol game, then they get credit. They have, it's totally throwaway, totally throwaway. Their narratives are total fluff and they're just on to the next one as fast as they can be on to the next one if one doesn't work. The prisoner's dilemma leads him to a state of antagonistic estrangement. Remember what I was saying, iron love oak rejection with Marx. He is not totally estranged from the environment because even an antagonism is a form of contact, but he is totally cut off from the essential sucker, there's S-U-C-C-O-R, the essential sucker of affectionate communication and relatedness without which he cannot survive. This is why it's so crucial that when you go through one of these, you find people in real life, not online, who know you, who love you, who care about you, and you recognize that they are infinitely more important than anything happening on the internet, if that's where it's happening, or even at work, or at school. Kids, your parents, parents, your kids, your families, your actual handful of close friends that you trust with anything, you must connect with them and must connect with them in real life. And at the same time, his increasing self-betrayal, sense of guilt, and his loss of identity all join to estrange him from himself. That's the goal. When Marx says that capitalism estranges man from himself, what he means is his program estranges man from himself. And that's how you're going to transform into a different world. You have to estrange everybody from everything in order to transform them into accepting the socially constructed fabrication. You must negate the real in order to impose the hyper-real. That is the key. So I'll read that again. His increasing self-betrayal, sense of guilt, and his loss of identity all join to estrange him from himself, or at least from the self which he has known. He can contemplate the future with only hopelessness and dread. We call it the black pill. Literally and emotionally, there seems to be no escape from this hermetically sealed antagonism. Now, that's a cute word, hermetically sealed right? But do note that that hermetic is the basis of hermetic. Hermetically sealed, hermetic. Yes, you're trapped inside what you might call or what has been called the wizard circle or the sorcerer circle. They draw a circle around you and cast a wizard spell around you. And so long as you're trapped in the circle, you're lost. There's nothing you can do. And the goal is to make that environment, that wizard circle, hermetically sealed so it's not possible to think or see yourself outside of it. And the goal is to drag as many of your friends inside of that circle as possible because they control you when you're inside of their sorcerer's circle. If you think of it in terms of them casting a spell, 
That's how it works. As the assaults continue, Lifton says, and they are turned in and as they are turned inward, he begins to experience one of the most primitive and painful emotions known to man, the fear of total annihilation. This basic fear, considered by some the inherited forerunner of all human anxiety, becomes the fine this isn't just death, by the way. This is annihilation. You are no longer who you are. You are no longer connected to others. Total annihilation. Because this basic fear becomes the final focus for all of the prison pressures, all the struggle session pressures. It is fed by every threat and accusation from without, as well as by all of the destructive emotions stimulated within. The fear is compounded by the horrifying realization that the environment seems to be making it come true. Your friends start buying into it. They start asking you, just out of their idle curiosity. People on your side say, well, this is suspicious. I think I do deserve an explanation. You fell for a communist smear, and now you want an explanation of why a communist smear is happening? Really? Dr. Vincent did not only fear annihilation, he actually felt himself to be annihilated. It was this confirmation of a primitive fear which led him to hope for relief through quick death. And it really is that serious. It really is. This is the point at which physical and mental integration break down. This is why when you're brainwashed, you end up reintegrating because your physical and mental integration break down in the brainwashed state, and occasionally you get jolted back into reality, and you go nuts. Some prisoners may be brought by their severe anxiety and depression to the point of suicidal preoccupations and attempts. Yes, certainly. Of course. Absolutely. Relatable comments. He continues a little further down. No prisoner, listen to this, no prisoner, whatever his defenses, ever completely overcame this fear of annihilation. It remained with each in greater or lesser degree throughout imprisonment, and in some cases for a long time afterward. It was a constant inner reminder of the terrible predicament he might again be forced to face should he further displease his captors. So when you sign up for the funhouse of the internet and you expose yourself to the struggle session when that's what controls it, this is what you're talking about. Now you can feel hope right now because they're flipping out and struggling me like this because they've lost power. I got kicked off Twitter. They celebrated. Weird Al want, uh, Alejandro wanted them to tell James, I want him to know it was me or whatever quote from the, um, the uh, uh, Game of Thrones great philosophical work. Um, and now we know probably this goon had a, uh, a contact at Twitter, which I hypothesized instantly. I don't know if that's true. Maybe it's not, but that seems to be how it works. To paraphrase from the last part of this section, uh, Lifton has a couple more paragraphs, but at this point, what the person that's the captor or the captive, I mean, what this person is desperate, the person being struggled is in desperate, he says, some form of relief or reprieve is, quote, desperately needed. And this desperation is where the space of leniency comes in. And he has a whole section about leniency in this progression. It begins with a sudden change in official attitude. The institution of leniency supplies this relief. Skipping a little, quote, leniency, and notice that it's in quotes because it's fake does not mean that the milieu budges from any of its demands. 
So if the struggle session gets lenient on you, it didn't change what it wants from you, which is your submission and part of your soul. Doesn't mean that the Malu budges from any of its demands or even from its standards of reality. It simply lets up on its pressures sufficiently for the prisoner to absorb its principles and adapt himself to them. When Dr. Vincent, after two months of imprisonment, suddenly encountered friendliness and consideration in place of chains and struggles, there was no cessation of the pressure for confession. In fact, the effect of leniency was to spur him on to greater confession efforts. He was able to make these efforts because his leniency was accompanied by guidance, in other words, grooming. He had a chance to learn and act upon what was expected of him. So they abuse him, then they finally let up when he starts to do what they want him to do for a long enough to where they think it's sincere-ish, and then what do they do? They keep the pressure on, they treat him better while keeping the pressure to do the things they want him to do, but all of a sudden... They're like, let us teach you why we abused you, what you did to bring it upon yourself, and how you can avoid ever doing it again. All you have to do is betray all your friends and join our cult. That's what the struggle session is psychologically about. Go back to Lifton. Apparent in all of these, uh, this is a little further down, apparent in all of these examples is the immense stimulus which leniency provides for the prisoner's reform effort. Total annihilation is no longer all he can visualize. You don't just have a vision of hell, you have a vision of heaven now. He's been offered rest, kindness, and a glimpse of the promised land of renewed identity and acceptance. All you have to do is be woke. Join the cult. Even freedom. Annihilation is now something he can avoid, and in fact must avoid at all costs. So you don't want to go back to the struggle. That's what Vincent said. If you slip up, they'll struggle you again. You'll lose all the progress you made. They're going to go right back to it. You must avoid that at all costs. The psychological decompression of his environment serves to win him over to the reform camp, especially to that part of the reform camp which is working on him. In other words, he becomes motivated to help the officials achieve what they are trying to do to him. He becomes, as did Dr. Vincent, their grateful partner in his own reform. The next section that I'll touch on is the compulsion to confess. Just a little piece from this, uh, from, from Lifton. Long before any suggestion of leniency, Father Luca and Dr. Vincent had perceived the dominant message of their milieu. Only those who confess can survive. They told me this, by the way, with my situation, that they were going to continue this relentlessly, that it would not stop until I left social media. I didn't get banned off, I was unbanned from Twitter, and they were going to get me off of Twitter, where they were going to drive my entire audience away by relentlessly poisoning everything around it until it went away. Only those who give in and do what they want can survive. That's the message that they send to you. It doesn't mean it's real. That's the message they send to you. Indeed, everything in the way of assaults and leniency, all pressures of breakdown and promised restitution, served to reinforce this message. In such a climate, the two men had no choice but to join in the universal compulsion to confess. A little further down, the compulsion to confess is not static. It continually gathers momentum and provokes an increasing sense of submission. That's their goal, is to get you to submit to them. You must understand. The channeling of guilt is another section. Once the compulsion to confess is operating, the prisoner is ready to learn a more precise formula, thought reforms, conceptual framework for his expression of guilt and repentance. See, you have to adopt their 
religion, conceptual framework for expression of guilt and repentance. You must adopt the cult religion. By adopting the, quote, people's standpoint, which is seeing things from the cult perspective, he channels nonspecific feelings of guilt into a paranoid pseudo-logical system. His sense of evil, formerly vague and free-floating, is now made to do specific work for reform. He takes this step as Vincent so clearly described by learning to see evidence of personal evil and destructiveness in specific past actions. That's exactly what I'm being asked to do. By asshole communists who aren't going to get it. What was most prosaic or even generous must now be viewed as criminal. Do you see? That's exactly the struggle session that I and everybody else is in. This interpretation of events, as absurd as it may sound, has a strong impact because it stimulates forces within the prisoner himself which support the contentions of his environment, which are the struggle sessions. Another part in this section, since the people's standpoint is an ultimate statement of bias, it's a cult view of the world is what it really should say here, is an ultimate statement of bias, its acceptance also involves a basic negative commitment. The prisoner joins in condemning himself less for what he has done than for what he has been. As a Westerner and therefore a, quote, imperialist, he is guilty. For him, this is the real significance of the people's standpoint. The real significance of the people's standpoint is the person that you were when you weren't in the cult is guilty and awful and evil and bad, and there's no way you could possibly accept or go back to that. And its use of news, information, and intelligence is merely a method of implementing its prejudgment. See, I must be destroyed is a prejudgment, and they are going to use news, information, and intelligence. Really, they're using tabloids, scandals, made-up bullshit, fabrications, nonsense, um, and delusion to implement their prejudgment. And I say this about myself because if it's you, it's going to be you. You need to know what it looks like and how it works. He says, Lifton says, as the prisoner accepts this, quote, higher group morality, cult morality, this is an initiate society. As the prisoner accepts this, quote, higher group morality, its most harsh judgments make common cause with the most tyrannical parts of his own conscience. Through this joining of forces, he has changed from a man who merely feels guilty into one who feels guilty about exactly those actions which the environment considers criminal. That's grooming. Okay, groomer, that's why I'm calling these people groomers. Do you see this? Do you understand? This is cult indoctrination. This is cult indoctrination. Why do the woke act the way they do? You're hearing why. They've been brought to this point through unbelievable psychological and social pressures. Social-emotional learning and the other programming at schools, culturally relevant teaching, etc., are designed to put these pressures on your children. DEI training at work is designed to put these pressures on you as a condition of your job. This is what they are doing. Through this joining of forces, he has changed from a man who merely feels guilty, that's step one, into one who feels guilty about exactly those actions which Robin DiAngelo considers criminal. It, it says the environment, but you know what I mean. Or Alejandro Caraballo, or Media Matters, or uh, whatever other freak show leftist nonsense they want to put. Article after article after article could be written about how evil you are. Ask me how I know. How you're supposed to see yourself. So then um, Lifton goes into, and this is the last section out of this progression that I'll, I'll quote from, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. 
Lifton gives a section called logical dishonoring, which is kind of a special fancy term. He says, at this point, the prisoner faces the most dangerous part of thought reform. He Because later in this, getting into the reconstruction of the new identity, and this is supposed to be a struggle session, so I'm not going to go past this part. Um, he experiences guilt and shame much more profound and much more threatening to his inner integrity than any experienced in relation to previous psychological steps. This is where you're going if you sign up for their lies. He experiences the most dangerous part of thought reform lies in the future when you start to accept it. He experiences guilt and shame much more profound and much more threatening to his inner integrity than any experienced in relation to pre previous psychological steps. This is what happens to you when you decide it's time to give in and start going woke. He is confronted with his human limitations, with a contrast between what he is and what he would be. So the this is your Gnostic component, by the way. The image of your ideal self, of the socialist man that you could possibly be, or the new Soviet man, is held up as the standard you can't possibly become because of your human limitations, and thus you are the failure, and you enter into a shame spiral until you're completely destroyed, and the way you deal with that infinite, unfillable, uncorrectable, impossible shame spiral is by blaming other people and visiting that abuse upon them. That's why wokes act the way wokes act. His emotion may be called true or genuine guilt or true shame or existential guilt to distinguish it from the less profound and more synthetic forms of inner experience. He undergoes a self-exposure which is on the border of guilt and shame. Under attack is the deepest meaning of his entire life, the morality of his relationship to mankind. I'm telling you, the goal of the struggle session is to get you to cut off pieces of your soul and hand it to people who are going to define what the right science of human relations to mankind is supposed to be. The one-sided exploitation of ex existential guilt is thought reform's trump card. And, it, and perhaps its most important source of emotional influence over its participants. Now that these people can't ban people anymore is why they're going berserk like this, because they used to have the ban hammer, which was their trump card. They could get you kicked out of the social milieu. They could cause you to experience social death. They could cause you to be annihilated in the world they believe is real, which is the social media hyper-reality. And perhaps its most important source of emotional influence over its participants revolving around it are issues most decisive to thought reform's outcome. And just to explain a little bit more, he says, why call this process logical dishonoring? Surely it is not logical to have one's identity so disparaged unless one sees this disparagement as a small but necessary part of a greater system of events. So dis disparaging one's identity is the point of the struggle session. And it is a small but necessary part of a greater system of events that has a logic to it. And this is precisely, he says, the kind of systematic rationale which the communists through their ideology supply. See, they're going to make you into the new man. They're going to rehumanize you. A prisoner's inconsistencies and evil doings are related to historical forces, political happenings, and economic trends. That's why you're systemically racist or systemically transphobic or whatever. Thus, his acceptance of his negative identity and the learning of communist doctrine become inseparable, one completely dependent upon the other. In other words, you can't possibly recognize your crimes until you adopt the communist perspective, whether it's race Marxism, queer Marxism, regular Marxism, whatever. 
The realignment of affirmation and negation within one's identity requires an endless repetition, a constant application of self to the doctrine. And indeed, this is the essence of re-education. The prisoner must, like a man under special psychological treatment, analyze the causes of his deficiencies, work through his resistances or, quote, thought problems, until he thinks and feels in terms of the doctrinal truths to which all of life is reduced. Again, Marx claiming that he's offering a program of humanization is, in fact, the iron law of woke projection. So this is what a struggle session's about. I have the um, lived experience, if you will, of having just gone through one and having some uh, that many of you would have seen and got secondhand flack from or firsthand flack from. Many of you may have been annoyed by it. Many of you may have become doubtful of me. And I suppose that you're right, but you've fallen for a communist plot, literally. Um, you, through your curiosity, through your doubt, through your the fact of the matter that you're not my friend, you're a parasocial relationship, you uh, got sucked into wondering about things that you have been induced to wonder about. So the, the struggle session actually visited upon you too, but you became a tool in the struggle session against me. And I'll let you know, you were the most effective tool. That's what makes it work. If you want to break the cycle of these uh, struggle sessions, stop playing into them. If you see somebody who you think is somebody that you can look up to or care about or something in your circles being struggled, before you think that your curiosity deserves to be satisfied, think twice. Am I becoming a communist tool for this? Is there an explanation that any normal adult could come to for why this is not the thing that the communists are trying to make it out to be? Dr. Vincent was not a reactionary spy. Dr. Vincent did not give economic intelligence to, um, to somebody by talking about the price of fuel or shoes. He did not give military intelligence to anybody by saying, I saw them roll the cannons down the street during the revolution. Think. Think. Do not adopt their framing. Once you have adopted their framing, you have entered the wizard circle, and once you've entered the wizard circle, you are lost. The problem is, is that you pull others in with you. It's so important to understand. So whether you're at the center or the periphery of a struggle session, you have to understand its dynamics, you have to understand its goals, and you have to understand what's going on. It's so important. It is so important to understand that we are in the midst of a Maoist insurgency against this country, against the West. These are its tactics. You can see who its players are. You can see how they work. You can block or try to ignore all the accounts on Twitter that you want. They're bots in many, many cases. They're spin-off, throwaway accounts. These people have servers where they have hundreds or tens of thousands or just thousands of people who are dedicated to spamming. I saw some of the threads myself. I know they exist. I know they exist. Here's James Lindsay. Here's this picture. Here's this post. Go click on this. Post this picture. It'll drive him nuts. Thousands of members seeing it. It got posted on Reddit threads, some of which shut it down and some of which didn't. It got posted on Imgur, some, sometimes which got shut down, sometimes which didn't. And eventually it ends up making articles saying that I'm trying to, I'm, I'm being spammed. I say I don't want to be spammed. They write an article saying I'm trying to, to suppress it and turn that into further accusation against me. This turns into an article written by a known smear artist, a known, we should just say a communist, and then it gets laundered onto my Wikipedia entry 
for a time, and there's this huge argument on my Wikipedia entry talk page about whether or not it should be there, with a few of the editors absolutely convinced that it belongs there. And the reason is because I had said, okay, groomer, and I'm somehow, and by picture association and the words of some smear artists, implicated in grooming, allegedly, through some horse shit, uh, and therefore I don't have the authority to say, okay, groomer. And then you can see what it's actually about. It is about destroying me. It is about chasing me off social media. Fine. It is about breaking me psychologically. Fine. Whatever. But what it's actually about is dismantling the weapon that's been the most effective against them, which is pointing out that they're engaging in grooming. When you listen to this stuff from the thought reform prisons in China from Robert Lifton and how it works, you can hear that this is actually grooming, that the struggle session itself is part of the grooming program, that these people are in fact groomers under that definition. They're grooming your children with social emotional learning, with culturally responsive education and so on in school. They're grooming you at work through HR when they force you to take another diversity training or another sustainability training or another one of these god-awful sexuality things that they've put everybody through. They're grooming children with Drag Queen Story Hour. They're grooming children by giving them access to these books. They're grooming children on TikTok and getting children to groom each other. This is the key. The struggle session on your kids works because all the other kids are buying into it because it's their social media milieu, and if they don't buy into it, they get struggled themselves on social media. So every one of the kids buys into it, and every one of the kids bullies all the other kids into doing it because kids are worse bullies than adults, believe it or not, most of the time. And then the school takes a side, reinforces it, and says, well, we have to because this is what the kids are doing. But that's why Disney puts out a bunch of groomer films. That's why Disney changes CEOs after taking it right in the face for an entire year on how on, on their stock value. And the guy's like, the one thing we can't get rid of is this stuff. We're not getting rid of it. This is why. It's not just, it is the ESG, but this is why the ESG program values this. And the reason that the ESG value... Uh, the environmental social governance scoring metrics that are making the public-private partnership work are valuing this is because by forcing this crap into every aspect of children's entertainment on and offline, but especially online, get your kids off TikTok for God's sake. It's For God's sake, think for 30 seconds they're going to lose their minds, but be a parent. They, they can get the kids to enforce it on each other, which is not hard through bullying campaigns, through grooming campaigns online, then they're going to bring it to the schools. And when the schools take a side, an authority figure has been established, it takes a side, and as kids start to grow naturally into that age where they start to you know, move away from their parents, the school is in a prime opportunity to pull them into an antagonistic relationship with their parents, to establish themselves as the trusted authority figures, and to make the parents the untrustworthy authority figures or the oppressors, and to split that relationship and to pull the kids further into this. This is why this is happening, and this is how this is happening. The school becomes, in a sense, the interrogator in the study group session that's in antagonism, uh, that, that's in opposition or in, in conjunction, really, with the struggle sessions that they're getting from their friends and then again from the, the school setting them up to get it when they do the social-emotional lesson. Your kid speaks up, all the other kids go after them, and you see the nature of Maoism. And it's important to teach your kids not to do this to each other. It's also important to remove them from environments where that's happening. They probably don't need to be watching Disney. They don't need to be on TikTok. You might want to homeschool them. These are serious matters. This, I know it's a big disruption to your life. I know it's a royal pain in the ass. I know you didn't ask for it. Neither did these two guys in the prison. And we already heard those words from Lifton himself. 
what we have is a situation where we are undergoing a Maoist insurgency in this country that is trying to take it over. This is how it works. And you actually see it everywhere around you once you actually read some. Remember, this description of these prisons that Lifton is writing about are Mao's prisons in the early 1950s, right after the Communist Revolution in China. So I hope this has been clarifying. You can survive these struggle sessions. Get offline, do what you got to do, protect yourself, protect your kids. My God, protect your kids. You can survive them. Um, the keys are going to be to uh, find in real life friends, support one another. Don't add to it through trying to satisfy your stupid idle curiosity. If it looks like a leftist smear campaign, your first actual reaction should be this is probably a leftist smear campaign, and so the opposite is probably true. In fact, the Iron Law of Woke Projection suggests that, in fact, they are projecting over it in order to cover their own asses and the nasty stuff they do. And then um, try, to, try to remove yourself from the situation as much as possible, unless you know how to fight it and want to fight it and, and lean in and make a mess. I kind of do that um, because nobody... I've done this... People have thought my behavior on Twitter is nuts for a long time, but a lot of that is because nobody with a prominent voice really speaks back to these people. Nobody's rude to them. Very few, not nobody, but very few. Everybody tries to be respectful and respectable and show a higher order. No, no, not me. I'm going to punch them back. And if it's sloppy and ugly and looks bad and I lose 2000 followers, I just keep remembering, man, Gideon got, went to go to war on God's behalf, gets to the lake, most of his soldiers get down on, the, on their knees and drink water like a, do a dog, and God's like, send them home. And Gideon's like, we don't have enough people. He's like, send them home. So those thousands of people that left me over this, thank you. Thank you for leaving. I can't go to war with people who drink water like a dog. I can't do it. We can't stop this with people who get sucked into every other uh, active measure or psychological operation that comes along their way. It just is, it's worse than dead weight. It's actually subversive and destructive inside. So See you later. Sayonara. If you tighten up your ship, welcome back. But until then, better off without you. And you have to have these attitudes. And if you don't, log off. Spend time with real people. It's not touch grass. Touch family. Not like in a creepy way, obviously. Spend time with close friends and family. Avoid the struggle session. You're not in a Maoist prison. You don't need to be heard for like the next week while it burns itself out. You can let other people fight on your behalf or whatever it is. I'm not the best at that always, but I like to fight and I rationalize it that I'm good at it and doing something for you all to give them class. And then I can gather this intel and then give you guys a podcast about it. So this anyway has gone on long enough. I hope you've learned something about struggle sessions. We've been under struggle sessions for three years. I wish I could have put this information out three years ago. Uh, I hope it's not too little too late. Thanks for listening. <laughs>